Hello again, Horribles. Well, we're getting ready to wind down a little bit on our supersized Pride event, but this week we are taking a special time out for one of our favorite movies that we've talked about on this podcast so far. It is a horror movie about vampires starring a trans actress in a trans actress character lead. Uh, it is... One of my favorite movies we've talked about on here. It's fun. It's enjoyable. It takes itself seriously in exactly the way it needs to. Uh, while also dealing with, with issues swiftly. And not making the entire movie about the issues. But but giving a, a trans character a chance to like enjoy themselves and have a good time. And a, a good, fun horror story. Uh, it's Bit. If you haven't seen Bit... I advise doing so at once. Um, we're going to talk about it right now. You're going to hear our conversation from a few months ago. And on this Wednesday, we're going to re-release the interview we did with its director, Brad Michael Elmore, uh, which is a really interesting interview. Um, I was really excited to do, and Brad is, is super, super cool and super interesting. So interesting, in fact, that on Friday, we will be having him in for... A, uh, a conversation about a movie that he enjoys. We will be talking about Tales from the Crypt's Demon Knight on Friday. We will have both. Uh, we will have both Brian Michael Elmore and our friend Danny Lore coming in to talk about this one. Uh, it's gonna be a great time, and Bit is a great time. So if you haven't seen it yet, go check it out. It's one of the best movies that we talked about on this show, and it has some of the like most interesting and, and impressive politics of of any movie we've talked about on this show uh it's absolutely worth your time and it's absolutely worth your box if you're looking to support something that has good trans representation so uh check it out and listen to what we have to say about it and we will see you back here on wednesday with the interview and then friday with a brand new episode with brad michael elmore until then stay horrified Good evening, and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the show where we hold horror to standards it absolutely never agreed to. <laughs> Good evening, and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the podcast where we hold horror to progressive standards it never agreed to. Tonight, we're talking about the 2020 queer vampire girl gang movie, Bit. I'm your host, Jeremy Whitley. And I'm here with an amazing panel of Cinebites and Cinephiles. First, my co-host and comic book writer, Ben Kahn. Ben, how are you tonight? Hey, hey, I'm doing good. Forgot <laughs> to turn off mute. I'm a dum-dum. I'm a dum-dum is how I am. <laughs> <laughs> off to a great start. Uh, <laughs> next up, my frequent collaborator, comics artist and certified vampire aficionado, Emily Martin. How are you tonight, Emily? Well, always blah. <laughs> And our special guest tonight, gamer, fandom enthusiast, kaiju lover, and once and future performer, Ava Nichols. Ava, how are you tonight? I am good. How are you? Oh, I'm good. I'm looking forward to talking to the, about this one. It's been uh, on our list for a while, and it's good to finally like get a chance to, to sit down and talk about it, because I think it's great, and I hope you guys do too. Oh, yeah. No, I really enjoyed this movie. This was, this was an adventure. 
this movie did a lot of things that I wanted it to, and it, it did it well, and I'm happy. And it, yeah, <laughs> this movie, I feel like I almost can't help but compare it a little to Craft Legacy. And there's some things where, like, I feel like I might even be saying the same things word wise, but in a very different tone. Yeah. Like, Craft, yeah. Like, Craft Legacy, I was like, well, like, Mm, this feels like a pilot episode and we did not mean it in a good way <laughs> this one i'm kind of like i kind of feel like it also felt a little like a pilot episode but for a show i would re- i would really fucking love to see yeah this is like the pilot that would actually get like an investment <laughs> you know like this yeah, would but- go to series I was going to say a little bit about the movie before we start. It is written and directed by Brad Michael Elmore. Uh, it stars Nicole Maines, Diana Hopper, Zoli Grigg, Friday Chamberlain, uh, and Char Diaz. The basic plot of it is Laurel, who's played by Nicole Maines, has just graduated from high school and is leaving her home in Oregon for the summer to stay with her brother in Los Angeles. She meets Izzy and she hooks up with her and gets uh, things get a little bitey. Suddenly she finds herself invited to join a girl gang of morally gray vampires that stalk the streets of LA. Uh, as far as scare level, what would you guys say? Is this spoopy as in not scary? Spooky as in a little scary? Terrifying as in very scary? Or just existentially disconcerting? Spoopy. This spoopy. Was, there's a few moments where I feel it's like, oh, that's a bad thing. But it's not like, oh my God, this is scary. I'm more like oh, this character shouldn't have done that. They're going to regret that in like two seconds. There are, there are episodes of television shows that are much more scary and spooky than this, uh, this horror movie. It's still delightful, though. This is definitely a movie where you're meant to delight in, like, in all of the gore. If gore is happening, you're, you're meant to be enjoying it, not horrified by it. Yeah, and it's not, it's not gratuitous. I mean, there's, there's like... It's like, you know, uh, young adult novel gore. Yeah, it is yeah. It is spoopy. And it feels, for, it kept coming up when I was watching this movie that it feels to me very much like Lost Boys. But what if Lost Boys actually was as queer as it feels? <laughs> yeah. yeah. A great moment that I feel like communicates the tone that's relatively like non-spoilerly is at some point a character gets caught in like a human-sized bear trap and then proceeds to continue spouting like witty insults and one-liners. <laughs> yeah, I feel like there was never like violence, the result of violence or like death is never really taken so very seriously in this movie. And it's just sort of a um, sprinkled in there as like a, a platform for more witty banter. It's not a horror violence. It is is yeah. more of a prop. Yeah. yeah, the actual violence feels more low, like feels lower stakes than the interpersonal stuff in the movie. Yes. Oh yeah, for sure. Yes. Uh, as far as trigger warnings, uh, what would we say about this one? Obviously, there's blood because it's a vampire movie. There is some violence, like we said, references to self harm and suicide. There's definitely some gaslighting. This isn't really a knock against the movie. This was just more my personal experience. I started it and. And I was feeling a lot of dysphoria watching it. So I kind of had to go back and change my outfit and put on a face full of makeup. And then like once I was like kind of as femme as could in presentation, I was like, okay, now I can go back and watch it. I mean, the movie is just so great about gen- about 
trans representation and I loved it, but I don't know, for me, it was definitely like, oh, I need to be in the right headspace and presentation to feel comfortable with myself watching this. I mean, it was all the, you know, it was very, it just brought out a lot of like insecurities, like, you know, insecurities about like being non-binary and like, that's not a thing. Like, is it in the movie that kind of felt a little binary enforcing in a way? It's like, there's kind of like, I don't know how I would feel in this. I don't know how I would be in this world. Like what I am. And it's just brought out insecurities. Like, am I, you know, all the like, oh, am I trans enough for this? I just wanted to say, because that's a that's a really fantastic point. I mean, of course, we don't have to like dwell on specific like personal stuff and the the idea of presentation and beauty standards mm-hmm. in in movies that um, represent trans characters is another level of trans representation that I feel like really needs to be discussed in movies because we have so many characters out there that are trans um, and represent in infinite ways. And, you know, you also have non-binary and, and, but in film, a lot of the time, you know, the accepted trans representation is usually completely passing. Yeah. Uh, and or androgynous and sexy this movie like if you're thinking about something where you're you're seeing uh, trans women represented i can understand how you know you would get a little bit self-conscious the same way that i would get self-conscious if there was a uh, if there was a film that was all you know just sexy women and you know like i've seen forever my entire life um (laughs) but you know i think the beauty standards are a really important discussion point in in movies re- with representation and right now we're just happy that we have representation yeah. you know and nicole mains is so so good in this movie like she's yes. fantastic i love her in supergirl i love her in this uh nicole mains and diana hopper just give absolute stellar knockout performances in this movie you know these these actors are fantastic always and it's less about you know how the the actors are and more just about you know beauty standards in general i think that that trigger warnings about beauty standards are certainly valid yeah i would definitely have to agree it's like something that i noticed pretty much out the gate is that like the the perspective of which the story is told through is a, is a very kind of it's still it's still hollywood and and that things are like easier to to digest if so-and-so is uh quote-unquote passing or beautiful etc yeah Yeah. i i do want to say like i had i mean being the token straight cis guy on this podcast i do want to say that like i had some questions about like the representation in this that i am not necessarily you know equipped myself to ask and went to, to twitter to some extent about it because like the question i had about this is that we know the main character is a trans woman, but that's never actually said in the movie. And mm-hmm. partially, like, we know it from the actress playing the part. And partially we know it because it's sort of alluded to in ways that I think easily could have been missed by people who weren't looking for it. And I I wondered as I was watching it, like, you know, I'm, I'm coming at it from a slightly different perspective from, from being in comics and it being a little less clear in some ways there. But, like, what kind of impact does that does it feel I guess more positive or negative on the representation side for it to never be said and never have to be said in the story and for it to not really be about the fact that she is trans or does it it create like a weird gap for people like seeing this movie and having it be there and be part of the story but never exactly be acknowledged in a way that like I I guess it doesn't matter if people who aren't looking for it don't see it but is, is it important you know you think generally for that to be 
you know, more acknowledged within the movie? It's hard to tell because I definitely agree that if a cis straight person who's just going into this being like, yeah, girl power vampire movie could go into it and just miss it and not pick up on it. And there's definitely a whole question on what the narrative is trying to accomplish if someone doesn't pick up on that. But, and then maybe this is, you know, opening up a whole discussion on queer coding and subtext, but it's like, even if it, Laurel's character, if her transness, if it's only defined in like a negative space, it's mm -hmm. a negative space outlined in exploding neon. Mm -hmm. Like it's that it feels like if you are picking up on it, you can't not see how it's coloring and impacting the movie and the themes and the characterization. Uh, I ended up while talking about this on Twitter, inadvertently getting connected with the director and sort of talking about it there. And that, like, you know, he he very specifically said, like, I didn't make this movie for people who aren't going to pick up on that. Like, people who can't read context clues are not my intended audience so i don't really care if you know they don't know I don't this know, movie it's... does use subtext which we have established is for cowards so. <laughs> <laughs> yes this might be the first movie we've watched that has subtext in it so there was the moon thing in blood and donuts that was subtext you don't know if that i'm still not don't know what that was I subtext of, of that might have been time but it was not a language i could fully decipher <laughs> well at least we can we can decipher this one but um yeah so i think that um you know if, if there's i think that it is important that this movie brings up that question though i think that you know that our next step in um representation should bring up that question um I, of whether go ahead i think it also speaks to, like we should have enough trans representation where there's stories that touch on it directly and stories that touch on it obliquely and stories that don't touch on it at all and just have trans characters yeah like ideally yeah. we should be in a place where there's enough trans representation for all the stories to touch on it to the degree they want so i i don't know it's yeah like i don't want to judge this movie too hard. i don't want to put too much of a burden of trans representation on this movie that's already doing that's out of feels like doing so much more than anything we've ever seen absolutely yeah, I, I definitely feel like it's we're sort of at a point with uh, with trans representation in media where it's like on one hand, it's like, do you want to establish that out the gate about these characters, like their identity as a trans person? Or you, do you feel like it's not something that should be outright spoken, deliberately just saying in conversation about about their transness? Like, I, I, I'm kind of torn because I feel like it, like it is really important. I feel like we, you know, we still don't have enough um, trans representation where those things should not be touched upon. Like I'm sure the day there's, the, you know, the day is coming where where those sort of things can be glossed over in the way that I feel like it was in this movie for the most part. But it's hard because you don't, you know, you like you said, you don't want to have that weigh them weigh this movie down. Yeah. You know? Well, so many, so many narratives about trans characters are about their transition and their struggle, exactly. you know, and they're always like tortured or mm. whatever. And I enjoy the like, just a character transition, but like that, it's not the story of her transition or even yeah. her like necessarily dealing with her transition. This is the story of 
a young woman like going about in the world and like trying to like find herself. I just like that she got a very human coming of age narrative yeah. that wasn't just entirely defined by her identity and orientation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is very much a vampire movie with a trans lead rather than a trans movie with some vampires. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's it. I mean, let's go ahead and, and jump into the spoilery section here because we will hit, uh, there are a couple of sections where like, this is very loudly not said. And I want to talk about those a little bit as well um, when mm-hmm. we get to them. Um, so if you haven't seen the movie yet and you want to watch it, we all obviously recommend it. Go check it out. Um, and, and come back and you can listen to the spoilery section or you can stick around and hear that and then go watch it later. This movie very specifically says that it starts at the end of a different movie, which is uh, the usual horny white teen vampire soap opera. Um, <laughs> and it's it introduces, you know, this, this late teen, early 20-something boy who has been seduced by this sexy dark-haired vampire lady they very quickly established the rules here which the rules are mostly none of that vampire lore stuff counts you you can't kill a vampire with garlic you can't kill a vampire with water or steaks or any of that stuff which Um, honestly good vampire deal because like look daylight yeah we all like the sun but can you fucking imagine not getting to cook with garlic anymore (laughs) i mean if there's you're even the vampire that gets to still eat human food well i mean you can have you somebody you can take your friend out for garlic fries and then you can like yeah chow down because i feel like there's like some vampires where you can still eat food and then there's like what we do in the shadows rules where you just like projectile vomit if you have a french fry so as soon as we establish the rules you know this vampire is, is telling this uh this dude uh who i don't even think has a name that the only thing they have to be afraid of is and duke introduces herself at this point by walking on and saying me this is where we meet duke who is the the lead vampire which uh, who wants to try and describe duke on point also intense yeah. they, a lot of characters in film are intense and self-described as intense and you're like yes i get it this character you don't need any descriptors she comes out she is deliberate like a stiletto goes right to her target and when you pull that blade out the wound doesn't close immediately some great like braids on the side of her head and she rocks these white doc martens like i've never seen in my life if the CW was making a Street Fighter show, Duke would be an outfit that Sea Vipers would wear. Oh, yeah. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Diana Hopper, like, she walks into this movie and is immediately a movie star. I've never seen her on anything before. And, like, the moment the moment that Duke walks onto the screen, I was like, okay, what's, yeah. what's going on here? Like, I'm into this I, all of a sudden she's i need her in more things she is electric she owns this movie there's no words would you say she cast a glamour on you she had (laughs) presence yes there are scenes in this movie that are just straight up exposition dumps yet it's still so compelling because she just has absolute so much character charisma and just absolute command of the screen i want her to read the fun book to me (laughs) Just read the phone book while stepping on you, you know, that's just... yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll be yeah, like, Oh I'm... no, a puddle. We have Izzy, who's played by Zoli Griggs, who is the natural haired black vampire, it's just like effortlessly cool. 
uh we'll find out later like uh, her thing is recording music videos and also skate videos she's just you know that cool i want to talk about the other two because they're also like it's it's rare when you have a film that also tries like okay so speaking of craft legacy they those those girls were on point they were gorgeous they were fantastic but they did not cut the same kind of masterclass uh, character design challenge silhouette <laughs> set that these characters did. I've talked about playing vampire before and it's been a long time and I'm not, I don't know if I'm ever going to go back to a LARP, but I did want a LARP when I was like, I want to be her and her and her and I want to try being a character like that because they all look so fucking cool. Effortless. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting to me because I feel like... Duke is an extremely well done version of a character I've sort of seen before. Izzy is a pretty well done version of a character I've seen before. I don't feel like I've seen either Roya or Frog in a vampire movie before. Here's, like, here's mm-hmm. what it is. I feel like I've seen Duke's character as a man a lot yeah. of mm-hmm. times. And it's so much better coming from like an awesomely dressed lesbian woman. Yeah. Vampire, like. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I like Frog a lot because Frog is the the Latinx one of the group. Uh, she's cool. She's uh, gets to be both Latina and not like sparkling white in a, a movie, which is rare. But like Roya is the one that's like, I don't feel like I've ever seen like a butch lesbian vampire. She owns it the whole time she's on screen. And only disappointing thing to me about Roya was A, we did not get to see Mr. Kitty and B, we did not get confirmation that Mr. Kitty is a vampire kitty. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I want my, my, like, Roya site, like, like, single issue Roya story. Yeah, spin off. If I'm a Dracula, if you think I'm not gonna make sure my pets are, like, immortal too so I can have, like, like, fucking, that's the first thing I'm doing is making sure, like, so I can make sure my pets never die either. Like fucking yeah. great, do this. Fine, it's a cat. It can already, it's already a carnivore. This is barely a change. It's already right, a carnivore like- that sleeps all day. What's the fucking change? <laughs> I always love that like in in like the whole idea of like grandparents, like you're gonna watch all your loved ones, you know, grow old and die. I'm like, well, if it doesn't have to be my, my like fur baby, that's fine. Like, as long, <laughs> I will go to the end of the world as long as I can have my dog with me. Like, I will watch the heat death of the universe yeah, as long sure. as I can have my dog. That's fucking real. And Roya is so in, invested in Mr. Kitty, and that's another reason that I'm dis- that, that we are disappointed that yeah, we don't get to see Mr. She Kitty. Inspired me to go graffiti my dog's name on forever. <laughs> you know, like, I, I feel like. By turning this, turning your your dog eternal, you've moved to this from being a just a straight up vampire movie to being like vampire Fallout. Like you just roam the world with your <laughs> yeah. your vampire dog, you know, far into the post apocalyptic future. That this is a trend that I think Hollywood needs to jump on. Absolutely, like yes. <laughs> and let me tell you, I want to well, write. Also- uh, I want to write that Roya single issue because it's going to have like three lines of dialogue in the whole thing, because like. <sighs> That's kind of Roya's thing is like not speaking except to like back up Duke's like quips, which is yes. really fantastic. It can be called a girl and her cat. Except for it's like G-R-R-R-L. Every yeah. time Duke is like, no boys, I wanted them to be like, except Mr. Kitty. Although uh, if Mr. Kitty was a girl cat, 
I, I think that would have been even I better. Like yeah, that might be a possibility. <laughs> yeah. So then, uh, what happens in the scene is the rest of the gang holds this uh, unnamed at this point vampire woman down while uh, Duke proceeds to by hand rip this dude's heart out um, yes. and burns it uh, in her hand. The rules of that are explained later, but at the time, I'm just like. Okay, Duke, fucking hardcore. Yeah. An insult to injury there. Yeah, she, she says, basically, you forgot the rule, no fucking boys. And like, that's the end of that scene. If you want a primer into like how to write a scene in your movie that is going to guarantee that somebody's going to be into it, you know, <laughs> like how, how do you, like, I need an opening scene that is like, that catches you and is fucking badass and isn't like contrived. And of course it's, it's campy, but there's a very fine line between campy and contrived. And I think that this is, this is it because you know, it's, I, I feel like this scene, powerful. I mean, it, it's, it's one, it's the one thing you record if you're trying to pitch the movie and get somebody to give you money to make it. Uh, yeah. But two, not only does oh, it guarantee that somebody scene. is going to see the scene and have to go watch it right now, but also there's another person that's going to see this scene and then go write about on the internet about how much they hate this movie, even though they haven't <laughs> watched the rest of the movie. And then in itself, I think is a victory considering yeah. who is uh, <laughs> like the, the intent the of the audience. Yeah. <laughs> because this is where we uh, get to the graduation of Central Oregon High. That is an abrupt change in scenery. Absolutely. Uh, going from from that that 90s aesthetic plastic draping and smoke and, and steam place that uh, Emily was talking about before, which is where the first scene in this takes place. We're, but we're in Oregon now. Yes. And we're going to meet Laurel and Andy. Uh, Laurel is our protagonist, played by Nicole Maines. Andy is her best friend. Um, they are at a party post-graduation, and it's very clear that they hate everybody there um, from from the first moment. Uh, some guy Andy at the party decides to come up to Laurel and uh, tell her how inspired he is by her. Um, okay, this dude is an egg. This dude is absolutely an egg. This is <laughs> a fucking powerhouse. Absolutely. He's either an egg or a chaser. Oh yeah. I, ideally he's an egg yeah you know it's it's a very interesting scene where like this is one of the many scenes that i was talking about where like laurel's deal is not directly addressed but also is directly addressed because like this guy never says what it is about laurel that's so inspiring or uh any of that um and andy is just as bothered and off put by this as laurel is <laughs> laurel doesn't doesn't want any of this she doesn't want to be inspiring to this guy. And I think this was this was the scene that like when I was asking people about how they felt about this movie online that I think the most like trans folks reacted and were like, yeah, this is like a real thing that's happened to me, definitely. Well, I feel like the this guy, this yeah. this egg chaser um, is, or maybe just egg. egg <laughs> chaser? That sounds like a Sonic villain, boss. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought that sounded like an obscure racism. Oh. Ooh, oh. yeah, ooh. Get out of here, you egg chaser. I was much more in the like, behold, like, behold, Sonic, the new egg chaser 3000. <laughs> it's faster than you. I and mean, Sonic's like, no, it's not, and then he's faster than it. We're going to call him an egg because I'm I'm optimistic. Mm. Is uh, is talking to Laurel about how proud he is of um, everything that she, you know, how inspiring she is. And I do feel like that is the um, the target audience of, or I should say not the target audience, but the result 
of the um contrived like lifetime story about how hard it is to transition like that is that is the um the canned reaction to that where it's like oh it's so it's, you know I'm to be fair though that movie would have been made about nicole mains's life yeah absolutely sure yeah. Like we've said earlier, I'm really happy that we've gotten past that at this point. A lot of folks who have experienced transition are, are certainly over it as well. Eventually they move out from the party out to the back of a pickup truck, which is natural progression for anybody who lives in the country and goes to a party. Where, yeah, they uh, they sit out there and talk about how uh, Laurel is moving to L.A. and Andy is worried that Laurel's going to forget him. And Laurel promises fatefully that she will not forget him. <laughs> Fucking Q, it's always sunny. Laurel forgets about Andy. <laughs> I was going to say, like, arrested development style voiceover. She would. Um, I'll never forget about you. She would forget about him. This is Andy, Andy done dirty by this movie. Yeah, Andy, sweet summer child. <laughs> yes. Poor, poor gay Andy. Yeah. And so, like, it, it cuts to, uh, Laurel starting out on her her trip. Her we get to meet Laurel's parents briefly. Laurel is you know going to go to L.A. to stay with her brother. Um, her parents again don't say a thing. Her parents say we know it's been a really hard year, few years, and we're proud of you, um, but they don't never <laughs> say why. Um, which you know, I guess uh, I I don't ever specify with my children um i'm proud of you for this one reason these uh these parents seem to be um trying really hard and there's not a lot of like again they don't they don't really go into the whole life story but they seem decent i think they stay decent kind of much the last we hear of them is their daughter driving off and then being like all right time to have sex Mm -hmm. i'm like (laughs) i like mom and dad yeah Yeah, the dad specifically being like later dad never shows back up again yeah well the dad's like go go have fun go into the world as soon as the scene ends dad is like go go enjoy go get in trouble and then he falls off a cliff and we never hear from him again (laughs) (laughs) she goes out into the world and she and there's this is the first of of quite a few driving montages i actually like i love this driving montage um this is a good this is a good driving montage that is i5 identify specific places yeah, like one, there's no like better way to get to know this character than like just the way she is in the car and just like the the amount of over it mixed with the excitement about like, you know, listening to music and smoking away from her parents. Also, there is no more accurate representation of driving down California <laughs> than like starting out as being like chill and then and enjoying it to being like so fucking over it because there's just this long stretch of nothing to being like in LA traffic and just being like, oh, son of a, <laughs> I'm never going to get out of here. I've just drove, I just drove four hours through nothing. And now I'm just stuck in, you know, bumper to bumper traffic. As somebody who has commuted via car to every Comic-Con from the North Bay um, to San Diego, this is something that I am intimately familiar with. She gets a call, I believe, from Andy. He's like, how's it going? And she's like, I'm in Pencil Dick Town. I don't know, Bakersfield. Shout out to Bakersfield. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which I'm like, that's accurate. Yeah. Oh, Middle my of God. Nowhere, Bakersfield. <laughs> uh, which I believe is the proper name of that town. Middle of fucking yeah. nowhere, Bakersfield. Mm-hmm. We don't usually say the whole f- phrase because, uh, um, you know, parental advisory, explicit content. But um, 
Its zip code is just F-U-G-T-F-O. <laughs> <laughs> this is also where we get the introduction to uh, our other protagonist of this uh, film, which is the soundtrack. Yes. Um, yeah. This, uh, this movie lives as much in 2020 as, say, The Craft did in 1994. Um, this is the fucking okay. true craft follow-up. Yeah. This is so much more yeah. in the spirit of OG craft. We're vampires. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> they don't yeah. they do float. Spoilers. They don't they don't like light as a feather each other though. Yeah, okay, that awesome. scene is straight out of like 19 like the original Superman movie with like Superman like and Lois Lane flying around. A bit of a problem though is that the romantic relationship in this movie is ostensibly between uh, Laurel and Izzy. All of the chemistry and narrative like weight is put behind the Laurel Duke relationship. I feel like there's a good reason for that that we'll get into when we learn more Absolutely. about Duke later. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, I mean, if they had gone that, that it's a very different movie with some very different trigger warnings. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> but for now, let's talk been, about Mark, yeah. uh, Laurel's Mark. brother, Mark. Oh, Mark. Uh, he is introduced by showing up and telling her to call her mom, which is Mark's uh, character for the most part. Call mom, call Andy, call mom. But then Mark does do James cool Pat- big brother thing. And it's like, yeah, I'm going to take you to like a, a cool club that is literally too cool for me. So we can go see a band that like, I, I know you're going to like. If, God, if this was like if this was like honest trailers, I wish we could have a super cut of all of the times of James Paxton telling Laurel to call somebody. <laughs> <laughs> it's the drinking game. Except for like he's not in that many scenes, so it would just be several scenes where you're just like. Woof, 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 woof. <laughs> No, the real drinking game is how many times Laurel uh, rolls her eyes. Oh, yeah. She does. Oh, you will be dead. You will <laughs> yeah, die. Exactly. It's like if Daria was a vampire. Yeah, so uh, they, they prep to go to the Yago to see the Death Valley girls. There's another... Great band name. Yeah. Yeah. Real band. Great and band. Another point where something is said that is not saying that she is trans, which is he asks what her ID sitch is. And then she's like, oh, you know, I've, I've, I've got it figured out and said, we're meeting some friends but they won't be patronizing not like you know back home i just interpreted that one to be like you're not 21 do you have a fake id i mean that could have yeah, been I didn't catch that, either. that could have been the case he's very he's very vague about what the sitch with the id is she just graduated high school so yeah 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 she goes to that bar and she drinks she orders some fucking yeah. alcohol and i'm like i don't think that's just an la thing like LA isn't a weird microcosm where bars will totally be chill to serve 18 year olds alcohol. It's not like, it's not like Scotland. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, usually they just make you put a stamp on or not give you a stamp or something. Yeah. And they get ready and uh, Laurel goes to put her uh, hamburger charm on a shoelace around her neck, which as I was watching it, I was like, what's the significance of that? Which is apparently what you're supposed to ask because yeah, <laughs> later on, that's what happens. But we, we go to the Yago and this is where, uh, they're, they're in line getting their IDs checked and the, uh, the bouncer is having some issue with Laurel's ID being out of state, which doesn't sound like a thing. It sounds like, you know, maybe he's just like, you know, trying to say, say it's fake without saying it's fake. Um, 
and uh, Duke comes over and very clearly uh, glamours the guy. Am, am I using the right term there, Emily? He's yeah, the glamour or um, dominate. Dominate is is what Duke is doing every time she is on the screen. So yeah, that's true. Yeah, that is her. <laughs> that's her. Yeah. that's her passive power. Yeah, her passive. She has passive dominate, which dominate I wish. <laughs> God. Um, <laughs> There's a lot to unpack there. Anyway, I wish there was more to the hamburger charm, honestly, but, you know, I can't have everything. This movie gives us a lot. Most of these movies, I feel like an hour and a half is really all they need to, like, do everything with their premise. This movie, I'm like, God, I could honestly have done, like, just another 30 minutes of character building. Does speak to what is provided, you know? Like, the, the, there's a, a lot there that we that yeah. is delicious, and I would like to soak myself yeah in it i, I was it's never really a criticism for audiences to be going i want more of story yeah. this was good story more please i like, like these characters that is not a that isn't in no world a criticism yeah, yeah. that is that again it does speak to what is here is really good and engaging yeah because i definitely want more like frog and roya and izzy uh than than what's in this movie but like when you think about it in comparison to like, like I was saying, Lost Boys, like there's never any point where you come out of Lost Boys and you're like, I wanted to know more about those secondary vampires. Like, <laughs> it's, you know, it's it's yeah. pretty much the like the one vampire and you're like, yeah, that's that's the guy I care about. <laughs> yeah. There's a little bit that implies there might be like a love subplot between Frog and uh, the brother. And it's like, that doesn't end ever end up going anywhere, but I'm like, ooh, that's another thing to explore, maybe. Yeah. Like, that'd be, that'd be an Kitty. interesting twist. Yeah. I mean, I think it's more of a possible Kitty. sex subplot between Frog and the brother. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. I don't think there's yeah. much indication that she's interested in him for his mind. Um, I think Frog is kind of projected as the horny straight one throughout, or at least the horny bi one. It's hard to say. Um, <laughs> that checks out. That yeah. checks out. Every group, every group needs one. Yeah, so they get inside. They're listening to the band. Uh, the band is is great. Like, um, it's it look it actually feels very much like a club show, which a lot of times these don't. Laurel's busy watching Duke make out with another girl in the corner, and while she's watching Laurel, uh, some dude bumps Laurel while trying to record the show, and Laurel just, like straight up tries to kick his ass, just like pushes him into the wall, and is about to go. Um, yeah, I was like, damn, like <laughs> yeah. first time out. Like, is she nervous? She's like, I'm just apparently not. Fool. <laughs> <laughs> He's playing with prison rules. Yeah, I guess. When your first night out, you just got to beat somebody's ass to prove how cool you are. Her dad did say. She's got to establish that. LA yeah. Cred. Yeah. We're making the mosh pit right trouble. here, right now. <laughs> yeah. This is the mosh pit now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so she, she decides to go uh, to the bar to cool down. Uh, which is where she meets a spooky man who is just sort of standing somewhere nearby the bar because the cut is a little weird. Um, he does not have a snake, though. He does not. No. He could be a traveling snake salesman. It's difficult to tell. Yeah. Um, Even if he wasn't saying creepy things, any person that old at a club is just inherently creepy. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so uh, well, Laurel is, uh, Laurel is at the bar and uh, effortlessly... Uh, is getting like basically picks up Izzy. Izzy is you know hitting on her, asking her about the hamburger charm, which we find out uh, is a conversation starter. She points out uh, Mark, who is uh, 
across the floor trying to hit on girls very unsuccessfully um, as her brother. R.I.P. It's R.I.P. Mark. F in the chat. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Mark tries to talk to a girl and suddenly all of the girls leave. Straight boy gets a straight boy send off. Mark is far too straight for this movie. Um, He is. He has, and he also like every time, well, most of the time, most of the time you see him, he does look like he's completely out of his depth. Like he's like, I'm a, I am cool brother, man. Like I am Mark. Because that was to the be place there. that you leave home to go to. And then he, he got there and was like, wow. Almost all of his lines that aren't call mom are, why aren't you calling mom? <laughs> <laughs> are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? It's like Terry Bogard. All he says is. <laughs> Three lines. Three lines. Like Burning. They, they, of course, the first thing that uh, Laurel talks to Izzy about is Duke, um, who she's friends with. She says, uh, Duke seems intense. And Izzy says, she is. Yeah, that's all you need to know. <laughs> and uh, Izzy Duke invites Laurel to go down. to the yeah. the cool after hours party. And they, they, she starts to go. And then the spooky guy is like, don't go to the party. <laughs> of course, there's no sure way to ensure that she will go to the party. Um, I am I am sad that uh, Laurel didn't kick this guy's ass too. Like mm-hmm. this very moment, like this is much worse than spilling a drink on you. Yeah, yeah. And I just wanted her to be like, "Fuck you!" <laughs> just like, uh, yeah. <laughs> just attack him like a feral Wolverine or something. For real. <laughs> and, but, then just, uh, like, and then just immediately turned on and be like, "Now then, on to the after party." Right. Yeah. I guess the tension between um, her and Izzy would be a little bit different after that, but you know, <laughs> if I if I was Izzy and I'm like, oh shit, okay, gotta mm, gotta change the angle of this particular approach. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's very clear that Donald Southern was busy when this part was cast. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because there were a lot of people who playing were Donald Sutherland. From that's the that's the sound he makes. That's the sound you make when you're in um the movie with the body snatchers. (laughs) (laughs) The body snatchers. (laughs) Well, no, the sequel was the one with the body snatchers. Well, I thought they all had body snatchers involved, but that's okay. That was the that was the third one. They all have body snatchers involved. That was that was how they read that the trilogy. <laughs> Everyone just pointing and being like, it's involved. <laughs> Part of it. Yeah. So Laurel gets into this car with this girl. I mean, Izzy is fucking gorgeous. So, like, we don't have. Oh my ha- God. Yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah. Um, Izzy, like. I like know you're not supposed to, like, get in cars with strangers. I would get in that car every time. Every time. Yeah. Like, Duke might be a little, like, I think the Izzy-Duke situation is deliberately set up that way. So, because Izzy's, like, she has a friendly face. Exactly. Yeah. She's, like, and she's, you know, she's witty and she's, like, but she's approachable. Where I, Duke, if Duke asked me to get into a car, I'm, like, okay, either you're going to tie me up Uh or kill me. Um, and you're probably going to get off either time. So, like, that sounds good. I, I feel like we need a little bit of an I mean, icebreaker. <laughs> you can't be a honeypot like, if you're full he... of vinegar. Like, it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. If I'm in this situation, like, Izzy is making me feel like Izzy is just so secure in, like, femininity and queerness. And I'm seeing, mm-hmm. like, 
I am getting all the validation. Like I, yeah, I'll totally go to your, what it's in in a literal slaughterhouse. I see no red flags here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it's basically like the place where all of, where the foot clan brings all the kids before they like (laughs) fucking recruit them. Where It's like all the cool (laughs) shit. Shredder's going to walk in any minute. Yeah. Like everyone is fucking partying down and like doing ollies on half pipes and you turn your shoulder and you're like, is that Sam Rockwell? Is Sam Rockwell here? Yeah. (laughs) There's like... The guy Sam Rockwell's just giving people cigarettes. Yeah. This is the best (laughs) nightclub ever. I mean, it is the... uh, Um... It is the basically like the cool kids hang out for sure. You know, the only thing that is missing is like, you know, Angelina Jolie playing VR or whatever. That really speaks to Duke's character. And like, I mean, she says pretty explicitly, like so much of her character is motivated and inspired by this youth and this teenage sum that she is this like forced to be closeted lesbian uh, woman never got to have and now she wants to have and keep going as long as she can. It's very, and I definitely know, like it definitely felt like even if Duke isn't trans, it definitely still felt very relatable. This sense of trying to get what you can of this youth that you kind of weren't able to, that the world kind of didn't let you have like that yeah yeah Yeah, that's a that's a really I feel like that's a really important allegory for like the the sort of celebrating that that youth you never had I mean I know it's a hugely important allegory I know when I came out and I know lots of other you know trans femme people have come out it's like one of the first things is like okay all of like the teenage girl fashions and styles and clothing that like I never got to wear yeah like oh it it was very interesting to watch this movie because I transitioned, I did not transition in my teenage years. And so like, I very much, like Ben said, sort of like, quote unquote missed that yeah. experience. And and there is a certain period I feel like where I was kind of trying to play catch up and trying to like mm-hmm. go through that whole evolution. Um, not that it's, you know, what every person goes through, but um I do really like that allegory, especially like if you're gonna be, if if you're gonna be immortal, like I feel like most people would probably be in the boat of like, okay, let's be young forever. Yeah, you know what I mean. Well, then that's a that's a big um, theme with a lot of the vampire media is you know you want to be young. And then, that's why it's so brilliant when what we do in the shadows they like you know in the movie and they make the old lady a vampire. And, <laughs> um you know and i i feel like that narrative the old lady vampire narrative is is an That's interesting one enticing. i mean there's elements but um missed opportunity um not just i think not just for the uh the trans allegory but for like coming out like if you come out after puberty um and you get to be part of this new uh scene well not just scene but like community and and all this kind of stuff and you have this new sense of relationships and um just you know new way to see the world uh you know that you're it's it's less you're it's new that you can do it openly you know i mean i've i i'm and and i'm i'm only really speaking here from what i've seen you know Mm -hmm. um and i've i've witnessed transitions from like a lot of my teenage students have have transitioned or are transitioning right now um but like 
it's interesting too because a whole bunch of my very very good friends who are in their 30s also like just transitioned in the last like 10 years yeah um and there's there's a lot to say about it you know this movie says something different than a lot of other movies do which i'm i'm happy for izzy izzy is that like jeremy said his fantastic honey pot for this um recruitment that's going on here and then we have the uh the foot clan um warehouse i i really don't have much to say about izzy's character because for what we get of her in the movie and as some twists we'll learn later on reveal uh there really isn't much of izzy's character that we actually see in this movie she is very i mean she's pretty and she's cool you know she's like a very very attractive woman that you you know could also it's not like intimidating Mm -hmm. i I do wish that there was more to her but i I do like that they she they talk about her passion which Mm -hmm. is the i assume that's her passion and not just something that she fell into i did like that backstory that they still have like normal lives yeah like frog like frog does like works with her dad like in her dad's tattoo shop as a vampire yeah well you don't see that kind of thing very often and i thought that was neat a lot of a lot of vampire movies really kind of gloss over the the early life of the vampire or the like you know because you have these anachronistic vampires which are fun i mean they're they are a guilty pleasure or maybe not just a guilty pleasure just a pleasure Mm -hmm. but they're they're very classic and they want everybody but the protagonist to be victorian I'm Jewish, so I'm guilty about all pleasure. So you know. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so pleasure then, <laughs> just just pleasure. <laughs> guilty is red, but the uh, yeah the the fact that we have a little spotlight into the the world of a young person. You know, we're not talking about centuries, but a lot of things change within, as we have seen in our lives, within just ten years. Mm. You know um and that can feel like a lifetime um so you know i think that that's it's it's cool that the, we have these vampires it's not about their how like tragically how they've watched everybody they love die and all this <laughs> shit but um uh you know the the downplaying of that is also kind of refreshing yeah i i i definitely i like the idea of like having uh immortality laid out in front of you like you better get some hobbies you You can't just wear a lot of leather and dark clothing and brood like that's been done and i think it's really refreshing that like you said that they have normal lives yeah as normal as normal can be when you're a vampire quite the quite this contrast to blood and donuts (laughs) yeah no no uh blood and donuts is is pretty much the opposite of like oh yeah i've I've been alive for some amount of time. That's really depressing. I just want to be done with this. Um, She makes like a big deal. It's like, it's such a curse, but you can end it at any time. It's like that Rick and Morty bit when like, just like, I'm leaving. It's like, okay, that was always allowed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So Um, we get, we get to see everything that's going on at this little party palace. Uh, There's cocaine and booze and scary grates with people crying underneath them. Um, oh, yeah. all the good stuff. Meanwhile, Duke is already here and playing pool with a couple of dudes, which uh, she she soundly beats a guy and then uh, demands that he whips out his dick so that she can see it. We don't, thankfully. 
Well, she questions whether he's able to get it up and then invites him upstairs with his buddy to come uh, come prove that he can. We get to follow Izzy and Laurel as they uh, go upstairs. We get to learn a little bit more about Izzy's deal as they, they look out over LA. Uh, Izzy directed you know, direct music videos and sort of like she's also obviously a, a recent vampire. Laurel expresses her desire to help people. That's really, you know, the thing she wants to do. Uh, and of course, they start making out as you do on roof, roof couches. Um, I definitely yeah. have my notes right before that. Kiss, 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 kiss. <laughs> kiss, kiss. It's, it's a very idealized um, teen romance situation, for sure. There's a moment early on in here where Laurel <laughs> uh, asks, like, are you super villains? I think, like, there's definitely a version of this movie where they are super villains instead of vampires. And it's they, like, I mean, still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'd watch that movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I feel like it's a little disingenuous to say that they're not. <laughs> like, they kind of are yeah. super villains. We jump back to Duke, who handcuffs one guy to the bed and then makes him watch while she eats his friend. And the look on his face is incredible in this scene. Yes. Because he goes from thinking, like, oh, right, sexy times to like watching her, like, bite into the other guy and uh he realizes he's handcuffed and and it just very quickly goes from oh yeah to oh no she makes yeah. references to the thing he did that she knows about and uh, she makes clear that the the girl's name was Claire. So, you know, it, it is clear that she does know that of something that he, he did. Um, he is some sort of scumbag. Um, so, yeah. And then she, I guess, proceeds to eat him. I think we cut away before we actually see that um, bite. But mm-hmm. and she's, she's made a feast of both these dudes. Um, and Izzy <laughs> is <laughs> Izzy's about to do the same thing up on the roof to Laurel. Um, I do have to say, I was thinking about this uh, roof makeout scene and uh, much, I think this one's a lot better than the roof makeout scene in the craft. Yes. Yes. <laughs> this, this has feelings and also, you know, both characters want to be there. I should say both actors want to be there. Both characters also. That's a key distinction. This, yeah. <laughs> both actors seem to be enjoying kissing each other. Yeah. Or just being on this roof and talking to each other and being or, in this movie. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, we find out that um, Izzy is from Oakland, I believe. So, Oaktown. shout out to Oakland, Oaktown, um, um, Jewel of the East Bay. <laughs> uh, that's, that's one way to describe it. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Izzy bites Laurel. Um, Duke sort of interrupts, and uh, you know, she states that she she likes Laurel, she thinks she wants her to join the club if she survives, and then uh throws her off the roof into a dumpster. It's a, it's a rough way to uh, bring somebody into your club, I feel like. Well, it you know, Duke's kind of intense. Right. <laughs> That's how Duke rolls. There's or- a lot of notes that I have that are like Duke's outfit, though. I also constantly. Okay. I also had a note about Duke's outfit in this scene. And it was yeah. Duke's outfit. Yeah, like I can't specific- remember what's. Yeah, I can't remember the specific outfit. She makes great pop culture references. Yeah. Her fangs are sharp. Duke is never not literally on point. Yeah. She's always put together. Always put together like a stiletto. Or a Lego set. 
Um, you can find uh, Ben's writing work um, from Dark Horse, um, Renegade Rule. Um, well, I'm not going to say you can expect more comedy like that, but yeah, that's pretty much the kind of comedy you can expect from Renegade Rule. <laughs> so if that's not a, um, an advertisement, if that doesn't entice you, then I don't know what can. <laughs> no, seriously, it's good. Um, uh, well, thank you. You're welcome. Um, now I need. I'm, I'm blushing. I don't even need blush. Um, okay, so Duke is kind of intense. Yes. And then the next day. Yes, the next the day, day, Laurel wakes up in a dumpster, um, as you as you often <laughs> like do when you go out partying, um, and and wanders home. Uh, wanders back to you know Mark's place. Um, Somehow. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's her vampire-like... Vampire sense of direction? Yeah, <laughs> she has some sort of, like, magnetic sense of direction now. That, like, she can smell it? I don't know. Yeah, I've sure found my way from one place to another in L.A., like, when I haven't spent the night in the dumpster. Which, I mean, um, that's all theoretical. I don't really know what it's like to not spend a night in a dumpster and stay in L.A. Um, <laughs> hey, <yo. laughs> L.A. burn! Yeah, Mar- uh, so Mark is super worried... Uh, about Laurel uh, and wants her to call her mom again. Uh, and <laughs> Are you okay? You should call your mom. You should call Andy. You should go through your entire phone tree. Mark is like an NPC. Like, <laughs> oh my yeah, like you, you keep talking to him and you're like, does Mark have anything else? You should call your mom. Are you okay? <laughs> he just gets down to that one. It's just that one prompt left, that leave conversation prompt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> None of the Are you still touching me? Let's <laughs> tell you about the arrow he took to his knee. Um, yeah. <laughs> Have you heard nice of the vampire? <laughs> I'd be down for this, that character taking an arrow to the knee. <laughs> Los Angeles is dangerous, you know. Shouldn't go alone. Um, yeah, so Laurel Take this quinoa. <laughs> yes, take this quinoa. <laughs> Mark is like, "Are you okay?" And she and Laurel's like, "I fell." She's, 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 she's choosing the option that says, "I'm fine," but it's Mass Effect, so for some reason it says, uh, "I have, I fell. Uh, I have an excuse." Um, <laughs> I should go. <laughs> <laughs> You're my favorite brother on the Citadel. <laughs> uh, yeah, Laurel proceeds to sleep for multiple days. Uh, <laughs> And then Mark tries to feed her quinoa, which like really, I don't care if I've been turned into a vampire or not. If I've come home and like after falling asleep in a in in trash, and your first instinct is to feed me quinoa when I wake up, we're gonna fight. Um, oh, yeah. I also in my notes, like if you fed me that shit, I'm puking regardless of if I'm a vampire. Yeah, just make yeah, me some goddamn no toast. Situation where I'm gonna want to eat quinoa no matter what, like. And you're vegan. I, and I, yeah, I would rather eat nothing. <laughs> to eat a bowl of quinoa. Sorry. I just don't get it. It's good for you. It fixes you. It's like fucking eggs on toast. Eggs yeah. on toast. Toast on toast is better toast. than that. Toast. Yeah. Butter. Just give me a stick of butter. I'll figure it out from there. <laughs> you'll, build a, you'll, you'll build a knife out of it and then... You can do anything with it. the knife stab you and then get some real goddamn nutrition. <laughs> sure, shit ain't getting any protein from this fucking quinoa. 
Yeah, she she tries to eat quinoa and you? then immediately uh, vomits blood, which is like you know, like, I mean, and that's why <laughs> fucking quinoa not even once. <laughs> uh, I didn't know you had an aversion to quinoa. I yeah, it's there. <laughs> I'll eat quinoa with other stuff. Quinoa is not a meal in itself. Like I no. have nothing actually against quinoa because I'm never fucking eating it because it looks awful. Fuck you, quinoa. <laughs> it's like there's so many other couscous, pasta. Yeah. Rice. rice. Just give me some fucking white rice. Yeah. yeah. Quinoa, you can't do anything for then has a dream about her teeth falling out and spitting blood into a vent and then the vaulted room, oh. which she hasn't seen yet. Which will be part of this. That I that was some that might be the only thing that might qualify as like unsettling in the movie because I did not enjoy the teeth spitting out. Yes, that's some good nightmare imagery. That that was was, solid. That was some body horror as opposed to like wee blood ho- like horror. Yeah. The rest of the movie. Yeah. And she's uh she's awoken when Duke and the gang arrive at at uh her brother's place to to come see her uh he answers the door and um tries to greet them aggressively but he can't out intense uh no anyone in this group nonetheless duke i feel it's very important to mention that he is only in his boxers during this entire scene it's it's beautiful poor mark (laughs) sort of i mean frog was into it yeah she was yeah and i'm into frog yeah. So I want to see Frog happy. Um, yeah, sure Mark can't do any better than Frog. So yeah, no. I'm not sure about poor Mark, but Mark. <laughs> oh. Okay. My. Yeah, it's fair. <laughs> <laughs> the butters of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> At least he's not a chip. Um, I feel like I will... he would be a chip. He was like, God, ever since like you became a vampire, you've been so weird. Well, like. He's he just wants her to call mom. This is a very easily accomplishable task he's asking of her. Yeah, vampire or not a vampire. He's just sitting yeah. there on her quest list, undone. Yeah, like, he's like, listen. He is not being like, I need you to stop doing vampire things. It's like, just fucking pick up the phone. That's <laughs> it. That's fucking it. This has nothing to do with being a vampire. You're just being a bit of a shithead, Laurel. <laughs> call your mother. Yeah, if like if there's any if there's ever a situation, he's just like just call mom, like <laughs> no matter what. His NP his NP scenes keeps him from being a chip. <laughs> yeah, he's it's not even he's like there's not enough there to make him suck that bad. He's just like yeah, if he please was call like, your mom. If he was like, I, you need you to stop being a vampire and acting this way, but it's just like he, he like he has one request and he just keeps fucking hammering it home. And then if you don't if you don't respond to that quest long enough, then it becomes call your mom and call Andy. So like you know there mm-hmm. is a there is. A, um... By the way, Andy is never fucking getting called back. No, oh, Andy. No, poor Andy. I will say poor, poor Andy. Andy. I will stand by poor Andy. poor Andy. Oh, that makes me like even just where the movie leaves off. It makes me so sad. Like I know. Uh, yeah. We'll get to Andy um, later. Yeah. Well, the 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 fact that the gang shows up at Laurel's house does um, give a little merit to the idea that they can just like sent out where they want to go because, or they followed her, which is also, you know, equally as, as possible. 
Um, I'd like to imagine they just like set up a find my phone. I'm like, I have that. <laughs> like, which then... one of them is is the hacker? Roya. Oh, Roya's right. Okay. Yeah, she's got Yeah, be. definitely. Roya and Mr. Kitty are on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Roya, Roya definitely looks like she's ready to like guest star on Mr. Robot. <laughs> Mr. Kitty is actually the hacker. <laughs> Like Mr. Robot, that's but like he's her hacker alias. Her hacker alias is Mr. Kitty. I think that's Fucking... actually a thing. Yeah. So at this point, Laurel uh, heads out with the the crew. They are giving her a bit of a vampire induction ceremony. She asks if she is a vampire. Where they you know, was Izzy going to kill her? Which the answer is yes. Um, yeah. Or the answer is, does that scare you? Um, which you know, <laughs> it doesn't. Laurel gives the answer that uh, her life's already been like a horror movie. Um, which again, another th- another not said thing here. Yeah, yeah. But also teens. Yeah, that was that one was <laughs> that one was a little teen melodrama. Yeah. yeah. Lol. Um, Omg. Bbq. Yeah. So, so Duke presents her a cure and says, you know, if she if she wants to take it, then she can. Uh, she basically gives her the the red pill, you know, option. Um, either <laughs> she can eat somebody and be a vampire she can take the cure and, and not be a vampire anymore um and they do mention they do like name drop red pill there's a lot yeah. of there's a lot of yeah. name drops here well they, they do Another scene... also try to target trolls uh but they're not a movement uh at best they're terrorists this um, is definitely another scene like uh world deciding and thinking about what she wants to do like this is just another scene that nicole may just fucking knocks out of the park She's very insistent about not wanting to kill people. Duke's bit in this scene is is pretty incredible as well. There, she gives this whole thing about how like women in general are treated as monsters and being monstrous, uh, you know, throughout history. So why don't they just you know be monsters and do something monstrous? They also assure assure her that uh, you know she can still hang out with her family. Uh, you know, Izzy has a family. Still hangs out with her brother. Roya has a cat. And this is where Mr. Kitty finally gets name dropped. Um, our favorite not appearing on screen character, Mr. Kitty. Um, <laughs> also, she also... Frog is part of it. Yeah, she also calls it Bite Club um, because Juggalos was taken. Fucking... Yeah, yeah. was a chef's Duke's, moment. Duke's pop culture references in this movie and punches. Just, yeah. just on point. Yeah. Duke spends most of her time watching Netflix and fucking dressing and like dressing up and putting on the makeup. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and this is also where we get the rules of Bite Club, um, which is uh, you never glamour another vampire, which is very important to them. Uh, you kill what you eat, otherwise it turns, and they're not ready for that kind of expansion. And uh, <laughs> never turn a man. Uh, men can't handle this kind of power. They've already had it, and they've uh, they failed this city. Um, <clears throat> so uh, you know that's that's the biggie. But you can talk about it. Yeah, and, and, yes, you can talk, you can about, talk it. about Bike Club. And this is the point where we get maybe the most like blatant acknowledgement of uh, Laurel's uh, trans identity, which is uh, she says, what about me? And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Duke says, never cross my mind, which I think is like pretty, pretty solid way to do it. I don't know how you guys feel about it. I liked it. I liked it a lot. Um, 
I don't have much to say beyond I liked it, and it makes Duke more likable and cool. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I feel like if she said anything else, it'd be patronizing. Hmm. Yeah, it was like a, it was like a good affirmation without being like, ding, 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 ding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it being overstated like or... the good representation version of like, this conversation never happened. What conversation? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that... Yeah. I, I feel like sense. it would feel Most weirdly out of character so. for Duke to like lean in and be like, "No, I accept your your choices, and I, I view you as valid." Like that doesn't that doesn't make sense yeah. For, yeah. for Duke. I think this is yeah. the best version of that. Oh yeah, it, it felt very witty and in character, and a light touch, but the right touch. Yeah. Uh-huh. At this point, uh, they they pull Jacob out of the trunk of the car. Uh, he is a internet troll that they have brought Laurel to feast on. Uh, he has stumbled upon the idea that there's a cabal of female vampir- vampires in L.A. feasting on people. Vampir. Cabal of vampire. You know they call it that. Female vampires. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so, uh, you know, they've they've got to do something with him. Um, and so uh, they've, they've brought him as a, a sacrifice for Laurel to feed on for her first time. Uh, and Laurel is unable to do it. Um, she can't bring herself to kill him and runs away. Um, most of the rest of the group is in favor of, of tracking down and killing Laurel at this point. And uh, Duke is the one that's just like, no, I know what the fuck I'm doing. Just chill. She'll be back. Mm-hmm. Um, which, yeah, again, like <laughs> good on Duke. But Duke is about to have a very bad night. Jacob gets away because they get attacked by a group of vampire hunters. Duke gets caught in the the human-sized bear trap that Ben alluded to earlier. Um, <laughs> I think it's I think Izzy's the one who takes a shotgun to the uh, the stomach, and then uh, they they toast Frog. Frog gets caught on fire. Frog. I was yeah. I was really upset by that. Oh. I don't know. I I did love when. Uh, lastly when Duke was talking about whether or not they kill bad people or not people that deserve it just like eh 80-20 yeah yeah, yeah. and then the, the question oh god this is beautiful Her, uh, Laurel saying do you kill people and Duke just like indiscriminately yeah <laughs> like, um, one thing I will say and you know I, I'm, I'm splitting hairs here but here we are um your first vampire meal um yeah right like i would i don't know if i would want to eat a troll for my first vampire meal you know like um like if i had like if it was like a sexy boring problematic person maybe yeah like let me live out my vampire first kill fantasy yeah yeah yeah, so I think you know Duke is projecting a little bit of her 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 uh, um, preferences because you know she's definitely a revenge killer. Mm-hmm. Um, but like Izzy, um, Izzy's probably a thrill killer. If I was Laurel, I would definitely not be into killing Jacob for my very first. You know, like give me like either someone like super, give me Mads Mikkelsen or somebody like. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It's fucking spooky and like, <laughs> problematic. I thought she was gonna like 
hunt down the guy that like bumped into her at the club. Oh yeah. It's like I'm here and she's like I'm here to finish my revenge for bumping. Okay. And as a matter of fact, Laurel passes up eating Jacob a second time as she is walking away and Jacob runs by her still like half tied up, which you know clues her off that, that something is going on back at the uh hideout. So the the vampire hunters are, are beating the shit out of them. The creepy guy is there and uh he's he seems to be one of the vampire hunters and then he shoots the other guy is dead wants to know where the master is he's linked to the master and he wants the code to the vault and he's getting ready to kill duke to get what he wants when uh laurel shows up and and eats him that's her first creepy meal is yeah. uh b-level donald sutherland okay well that's not bad that's, that's not bad look that's her first meal was a truck stop like sandwich it's better than jacob though yeah. I mean, if you're going to kill somebody in a horror movie, there's a long tradition of killing Donald Sutherland. We, so. do, we do learn that, he's, <laughs> that the guy she's killing is a familiar, uh, but not as good a familiar as Guillermo. So who cares? No. Well, he's, he's familiar, but not too familiar. <laughs> ah. Oh, does he know how to open a bottle? <laughs> yeah, can you mean? Oh, can, yeah, whatever. Creepy paper. <laughs> creepy paper. So she eats the creepy. <laughs> Um, beyond what we do in the shadows oh my god that she would like destroy she would eat all those vampires like they would look at her and like burst into flames i love the. i know they'd be like oh well fuck (laughs) (laughs) um me working however uh duke has a duke has a story (sighs) i was not i mean i was not expecting that yeah that was an epic flashback the the flashback yeah you know, I, so there's what a I master now. About this scene it's... is they they go back and like uh, they go back to the hideout and Laurel's like, "What the fuck is all this?" And Duke gives her a like, "Oh, it's a long story." And Laurel's like, "No, fuck that. Tell me the story. You yeah. turn me into a vampire. yeah. It's like I'm immortal. I got time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like you... a, a close second to Vin Diesel's like." It's a long story. We got a long walk. Okay, because the story is only two sentences. <laughs> this is more than two sentences, though. This is this is a pretty epic flashback. This is the entirety of the song "Ra Ra Rasputin," which w- this would have been perfect. It was almost perfect. So Duke, we see like an eight millimeter, um, like. Uh, city cowboy what was it what's that movie midnight cowboy <laughs> midnight cowboy city cowboy <laughs> we have this midnight cowboy style uh flashback into um new york in the 70s when duke was trying to find her she was trying to find her way what was she trying to do she was, she was 15 and ran away from uh home to new york uh she let's see uh she she wanted to be who she who she was who she really was um to me, so she did what she had to do was, to get by to me the subjects there was she probably came from a very conservative family and she had to leave to be openly gay yeah mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. there is the um, barely subtext there yeah yeah i mean uh, she is making out uh, making out with women and turning tricks with men during like well, that 
bit. Her being a lesbian is in subtext, but that being why she had to run away to New York is yeah tech, is barely subtext but i guess still technically subtext yeah 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 because they, they have if sort you of the screen you'll see over it. you know doing what you have to do to be who you need to be um yeah between her and laurel and uh this is this is where uh she meets vlad you know vlad manfred <sighs> castaneda the master notably this... she doesn't say dracula i don't know why just yeah i was i was expecting just dracula, sort of saying but... dracula this was Dracula's not real. An unfortunately miscast role, I thought. <laughs> yeah, so um Greg Hill, I looked him up because I'm like, this guy has a very unique look. Mm. I guess. I mean, he's in unique as in I would not dress that guy like Gavin Rosdale, but someone did. And <laughs> I'm like, okay, yeah. so this has gotta this has got to be a reference or this guy has to be like you know like a big important cameo and i couldn't figure that out and and the way they because they did his like emo um panic at the disco hair they and there was a panic at the disco but not because of his hair um he looked kind of like and this is this is just why haircuts are important um he looked like vigo the scourge of carpathia when he was in demon form and coming ah. out of the fucking painting or whatever <laughs> and he like was all like this guy had a lot of a uh, head and a lot of teeth and not a lot of like sexual energy that i really no, wanted this from this character this character needed like just real sexual gravitas like, they should have just put that ca- haircut on the um the actress that played duke yeah and then just <laughs> double <laughs> yeah. i mean not to put i mean i hate putting to put too fine a point on my sexual orientation because i don't know what words i can use without being told i can't use those words but i generally feel like it's kind of like a very sapphic aligned by person uh-huh. i'm like okay i'm like this is a role that like even queer feminine aligned and women can like would look at and be like okay i get it yeah like i've seen denzel and much ado about nothing i've seen yeah. tom ellis in lucifer i've seen you know like the guys that you're like okay i get hold up this was not that yeah and like i feel and that's the thing is that they have a bunch of uh paintings of him with a beard and i'm like that could have that okay first of all first of all you could have given him a beard that would have helped second of all you know the the gavin rosdale panic at the disco look with the like parted down the middle and the suit did not work we needed like you know something that was not that i was thinking like maybe if they went like the i mean he was supposed to be disco because they were all in disco like stella i did um disco i did like all the disco no everything everything about that that whole sequence except for him was perfect like he 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 did kind of um like get tangle up that machinery a little bit um did i feel like the actor did 
every did like did a good job. I don't feel like his acting was yeah was poor. I just feel he like did everything he, he, was he was capable of doing. He was everything he was I just yes. think he, I just think it was a miscast uh, role. Yeah, I mean, I, they could have cast it, or they could have just given him a better outfit. Like, they could yeah. have given him something. They could have given him a mustache. And I that, think that would have in, improved it. There is an argument to be made here, however, mm-hmm. uh, comma, that um, <laughs> the, the central conflict in this part of the movie, and sort of in the rest of the movie, is that he uses his glamour unethically. Like, he... Uh, seduces Duke by being there and controlling her mind despite the fact that Duke is not in any way bisexual. She is not at yeah. all into men whatsoever. She is as as gay as it is possible to be. She makes very clear um, but she finds herself sexually pulled to Vlad uh, which you know you can argue that uh, if, if you made this guy undeniably hot somehow uh, that you know that's underselling this glamour thing I, I i feel like you know either they had to if if we wanted to really if we wanted to sell the glamour aspect he needed to like he needed to be it's really um, down, huh? yeah they, barely they miss would, it just miss it by a mile <laughs> yeah they need to really part. miss it like they need to make him i'm looking Napoleon for a character Dynamite, that i can't yeah. think of yeah, they need to not not Napoleon Dynamite, but like <laughs> like a like a. But that's the thing is that it couldn't be too cartoony because then it would just completely make. I mean, it had to be the right kind of cartoony. Yeah. Like if they gave him like the Burt Reynolds shades and the Burt Reynolds stash, and like gave him this like enormous hair. I mean, that would have made his head bigger, which may have been weird. But like. Uh, <laughs> 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 the stash and the glasses though would have been great just like ultra 70s like stoicness like yeah like they like he needed to be like sleazy like they needed to make him sleazy he was definitely weird i i think that like while he wasn't sleazy he was just kind of odd and kind of weird yeah i was because i wasn't quite sure what they were trying to like i think they were trying to tell me he was sexy and and that's where i was like no you're i'm sorry but no i mean it, it felt i felt much the same way about him again being a straight guy but i felt much the same way about him that i did about Stuart townsend in as like lestat in queen of the damned where i was like this guy is yeah. not in the same league as these other characters like yeah I, he's supposed to be just the sexiest guy you can't like look away from him and like I get that for some people, Tom Cruise fits that, but like, yeah. I mean, to go back, okay in the movie. To go back to Blood and Donuts, if Boya had shown up, yeah, like he was like, better. I mean, he was, and laugh. even with his, yeah, he, and he had a page boy haircut, <laughs> and he, he still managed it. to, yeah, he made it, he made it look Cam great. Dracula, he looks, be- he looks beautiful in it, yeah. With a page boy haircut, like that's I think that that was the line that was missed here. Like you either need an actor that can pull off the page boy haircut, or you need a haircut that will pull off this like, you know, just esoteric looking dude with a huge head. Like it's not nothing. Not that there's anything wrong with having a huge head. My head is very big. <laughs> All that aside, yeah, the sequence is really neat. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It was. I mean... It was. It's a very cool. 
fun disco murder sequence. It did showcase like all of the crap that he drug her through. Yeah. And or her and uh, his other two brides, like the the whole like don't glamour other vampires was very much driven home. It was a very effective way of communicating. Um kind of you know in a fun way without downplaying the level of just fog and trauma that this was for duke like it really did communicate just how long a time she went without any kind of control and just how awful it it was to be that passive and controlled for so long yeah and they did they did mention that during like while being glamored you're aware that you're glamored but you can't help yourself which is like even worse yeah because if it was just like a like a fog or something like that well i i wasn't sure about that because that seems to definitely contradict something like later in the movie well for at least with them yeah right i think duke is i think it's a scale thing where like duke is hard glamored and she's just like forced into doing things she doesn't want to do she's not just sort of it's not like the character with high charisma where they're like yeah you'll do this thing right oh yeah sure yeah i feel like duke i think that duke is um what they reveal later there is a subtlety to what the difference between what happens later and then um uh the the thing that goes on with vlad like vlad doesn't have or the master or whatever doesn't have like um uh like any sort of spectrum of of like you know there's no volume knob on that it's just 11 mm-hmm. you know and and that's the difference between um what he does and what you know other people might do um you know using the glamour but um you know it's the same thing as the uh what was that you said like the power power begets power or oh absolute power corrupts yeah so like yeah absolute power corrupts absolutely um but even if you use it um use a little bit of it you're still using it um but anyway we'll get to that yeah and of course we learned that vlad has uh, all the traditional vampire power set. He is leveled up all the way. He can shapeshift and turn into mist. Uh, he's controlling these women and making them his brides. Uh, it all works out great for him until uh, he gets uh, attacked by some vampire hunters. And uh, Duke takes the opportunity to jump in and uh, take a bite out of her himself. Uh, he's she's still not strong enough to take him out until the first bride decides to jump in and help her out um despite pretty clearly like the first bride actually having pretty strong feelings for vlad but not being okay with the way he's conducting his mind uh, altering business mm-hmm. um they they try to kill him and they're not to crimp on any relationship let's be real <laughs> yeah it's yeah, they're not 100% successful. They they burn everything but the heart, but the heart won't burn. So they uh, put the heart in a box. That's a fucking 80s power ballad lyric if I ever heard one. <laughs> <laughs> and that is, uh, and she explains that she eats pieces of Vlad's heart every so often um, to gain some of his power. And uh, as a result, she can tell that he's still alive in there and can feel him in her head when she's doing this. 
Um, Which feels like something that can't possibly have good results, but doesn't yeah. ever end up actually causing a problem. I mean, unless you really, really read into it and maybe it was him, you know, he's, he's all of her like problematic qualities are just him being well, like, Well, that's hey. bad because they don't stop eating him at the end of the movie. <laughs> yeah. No. Instead, just more of them are eating him. Um, yeah, but I, that, that's why I'm going to default back to my not reading that much into it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's just but- everything about it. I'm just like, this is a lot of red flags. And he's like, going to need you to super not worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> Don't look at those flags. Look at these. Don't flags. look at the flags. They're not red. They're scarlet. <laughs> yeah. It's just the blood on them. Well, this a lot is of blood. Really- this is where the third rule comes from because men can't be trusted to be vampires. They're too power hungry. She's seen what happens when men are vampires. Speech of, I picture a world where all women are vampires. Let men be the ones who are afraid to jog at night. I mean, that's pretty, solid. Pretty strongly. Yeah, that's a good... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Though I don't know what she's planning on getting around to doing that given that she's turned a total of three people in about 20 five years yeah i mean well they're not ready for that kind of expansion <laughs> she's so, got all the know. time in the world and this is where we get our uh, superman and lois flying scene she's she says she wants to show laurel one more thing and this one she'll like um and she's teaching laurel how to fly and we find out that the we also find out in the scene that the person who's locked up under the the floor is in fact the first bride who is the vampire we met at the beginning of the movie who broke the rules and uh turned some teenage boy yeah that's that's the only way to kill vampires is to uh get their heart and burn it so she can sit down there and suffer forever until she you know gets her shit together there's a lot of vengeance in this movie and there's a lot, not a lot of gray area with duke duke's like super anti-straight agenda it is a mood it is indeed a mood but is it sustainable it's, a, it's problematic yeah, yeah. well yeah, yeah. Is it an um, straight agenda or is it just an anti-dude agenda? She doesn't seem to have any problem with frog fucking around with some dudes. One might argue this is the rare occasion in which a character might be defined as misandrist. It's interesting because Duke's reasoning is pretty on point. Yeah. Like she has every reason to be angry and she doesn't need a story. I mean, like that's another thing about this is that the, a lot of the shit she says, you don't really need a story. You don't need any sort of backstory. Like this is how shit is. And, you know, we'll get into this with the um, progressive politics section. Yeah, it you is, know, it I is think that there's incorrect, but very much justified yeah. by yeah. by the events of not just this movie, but history. Um, by the events of <laughs> gestures yeah. vaguely around by civilized <laughs> by western civilization yeah. yeah we'll get to it but is why i like the very end of this movie a lot they fly around and then it's like you know oh, cry little sister thou shall not burn or whatever <laughs> shall it goes little sister kill. call mom why haven't you called mom <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> now that was a missed opportunity. You know, well, the craft had their cover of how soon is now. This movie, the one thing that this movie was missing, other than you know, the different hair- haircut for Greg Hill, <laughs> is the a, a cover which they exist of Cry Little Sister. It makes more sense because there are not any sisters in that movie of Lost Boys. The movie of Lost Boys, if you've heard of it. <laughs> 
Are you talking about the Hook? Vamp- Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> you're talking about 24, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's no sister in that movie. There's two w- female characters in Lost Boys. There's Star and the mom. And the mom is not a little sister. And if Star is a little sister, then that's creepy as fuck. So she she spends the night at the pad sleeping with Izzy. She complains that being a vampire is, is too easy, that, you know, they didn't have to do anything to, to get here, you know, that there should be more to it. And then finally, she calls mom. <laughs> well, everything's too easy. So now she's like, okay, well, I guess I got it. I've confronted life and death. I've killed a dude. I've and eaten up his flesh. Calling mom. She calls mom. And what does mom say? You should call other people. You're not answering any <laughs> of your calls. Why aren't you answering Mark's calls or Andy's? Ah, it's just an endless phone, fucking phone tree. That's why people don't call each other anymore. Because like one Thank quest. You. Yes. Well, to be fair, we do establish that she is also not responding to any of Andy's many texts. Yeah, she, yeah, she falls asleep on the couch and Mark ambushes her with Andy on the phone. Andy's on video chat and she and Mark's like, here, talk to Andy. And Be Andy wants friend. to come visit. And Laurel's like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> Things are kind of difficult here. And then Andy freezes out because he doesn't have any internet connection in Oregon. <laughs> yeah well they're trying they keep out all of the the tech people because they think that they're antifa and that is the last we see of andy in the movie what we but not the last we hear yeah and it only gets worse from here yeah i want andy Andy was only on set for like one day yeah andy comes back in like that's the big cliffhanger is that andy is the van helsing type character and now he's (gasps) the vampire hunter for season two He's like, yes. girl, you never called. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's Revenge, really good at it. Revenge of the gay best friend trope. Is it still <laughs> a gay best friend when she's also his gay best friend? Ooh. Ooh. That, that, I think this is an, uh, another opportunity that can be expounded another upon. Spin-off. Yeah, another spinoff. We have uh, a girl and her cat. We have uh, Revenge of the Gay Best Friend. <laughs> frog. Just want more just, frog. I just want to be called Frog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just like a day in her life. Yeah. I think we... like, hey, what's this movie Frog about? Like vampire tattoo artist. Legitimately yeah. did not see that coming from the title. Why do they call it Frog? I don't know. Yeah. Well, there's this, um, there, there's a point. I, I think it was around here, somewhere around here. In this, I think it was definitely before the Andy thing where they're talking about why they became vampires. It's very simple for a lot of these characters. And for Frog, it was just glamorous, being glamorous forever. And I'm like, do we need to expound on it? Do we need to get extra aesthetic with it? No. This is where we get to the portion of the movie that I've just subtitled as Vampire Shenanigans. Um, Yes. Which is is where the gang goes to Inland Empire to attack the vampire hunters, because of course that's where they live. And oh, my favorite part of all of the vampire hunters is that like three fourths of them are all wearing flannel. Yeah. <laughs> or like those button up. Yeah. There's a dress code if you're going to be a vampire hunter. Yeah. Awful. Yeah. Apparently, you have to come from Oregon. Yeah. To <laughs> to kill the vampires in LA. Like, Part of the where... initiation, you get your flannel. Yeah. 
And they're not pulling it off. It's not. It's not queer no. flannel. It's very straight flannel. I know. They're the the girls are here to take flannel back. Frog yeah. is here to Frog. take flan- oh, flannel. Yeah. Back. I do yeah. love though that they're like, oh, there's vampires coming. Get yourself. We're ready for vampires. And then just they start fucking shooting it through walls and like launching grenades. And they're like, they never think we have weapons. Yeah. Well, there is something I will say something about this scene. There's a bunch of ignorant people with a bunch of righteous indignation, weapons that they don't know how to use in a space that they're not familiar with. And um, they're completely out of their depth and outmatched with what they're up against. This movie came out in 2019. Um, And I'm just going to antique flags for conquered powers. Yeah. But yeah, these guys are completely outmatched. Yeah, um, the, I, and... I did enjoy the like. Why do they assume we won't have weapons? Because like that's always the case. Is yeah. the vampires don't also have grenades? Which there's no reason the vampires wouldn't also have grenades and crossbows and guns and shit like that. Uh, especially yeah, since no they're killing against... a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. Like every time people fight vampires in movies, they're you know they're like, okay, we're gonna bring our wooden stake and our gun, right. and the vampires are like. <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> yeah we see later oh. also they're they're safe full of pink grenades and stolen handguns and stuff yeah. <laughs> i love that you gotta customize your uh, hand grenades yeah these are gay hand grenades right. <laughs> i mean everything they do is gay <laughs> yeah. why, not, why not their grenades yeah i mean i feel like with the way that companies are trying to like get in on the pride <laughs> only a matter of time <laughs> Get your rainbow assault weapon. (laughs) Gay queer grenades from Rainbow Theon. Uh, You know they've got those arced magazines. You could just paint it with a rainbow and yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the that is the the future liberals want. So oh, Mark makes a desperate play here because Laurel keeps going out to hang out with her new friends, and Mark's like, "You think they don't want to come hang out with us here and play Call of Duty?" not gonna happen again even if they were not vampires no yeah no i mean i feel like frog might be down and she would probably school all of them yeah she would school all of them immediately and then they would get they they would get really frustrated and she's like okay let's do shots yeah you know (laughs) like let's um we've we've established that um these video games are boring let's talk to each other (laughs) um Frog would do body shots out of Mark. So yeah. <laughs> She'd tip Mark over. <laughs> shots, 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 shots. Uh, she'd be like, okay, I'm going to fly upside down and just bite his neck and it's going to be like a keg stand. Yeah. <laughs> it's a Mark stand. Yeah. Although I like, I like Mark's lane. hapless friends who are like, yeah, Call of Duty. <laughs> like, like they're that. adorable yeah. i wish yeah. they nothing but the best i hope they're having a good old raucous round of zombies right now yeah they're probably gonna watch fast and the furious later and then um hide all of their Make their feelings about, about yeah and yeah and not question its themes or yeah next or, or <laughs> any of its fashion choices yeah um no, Although, I think I'm not over mesh tank top over camo tank top. <laughs> I will never be over mesh tank top over camo tank top. That's, that's um, the LA equivalent of short sleeve shirt over long sleeve shirt. 
that's good oh um um yeah so laurel moves in is disappointed that there's no coffins to sleep in um oh yeah because yeah they give her they give her a house <laughs> they straight up give her an apartment yeah she's like for, no one what, needs no to coffin? die for it and, even yeah. Duke's like, why would we do that? And I was like, because it's dope. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know what, Laurel? You're right. It is dope. Yeah. We should it, probably like, get her own coffin. Instead, oh my God. What if instead of like race car beds, vampires have like coffin beds? <laughs> I mean, like bunk bed coffins. Yeah. Or no, just like, like where the... it's like, where it's like, it's a real bed of like a mattress, but it's like shaped with like coffin accoutrements and like, a, like, it has the things and then like you have like a coffin top blanket yeah you have like your your coffin coffin it's the coffin equivalent of the race car blanket yeah and all your all your like pillows are silk and like a a big tomb, like a big fake tombstone is like the bed head yeah i think that that is a thing and i think i know people who either have had that or do have that Mm -hmm. so um i know a lot of fucking vampires (laughs) um 2021 problems am i right yeah too many vampires (laughs) that's how this that was how fucking lost boys ended i don't think this this movie should have ended that way but like you know (laughs) that should be like mark like mark is or no andy is gonna come in and he's like this is the problem with la too Too many fucking vampires (laughs) they hunt shitty men Mm -hmm. we we get Um, to see some of those shitty men they mostly suck. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Statistically yeah. speaking, one out of five of those men did not actually suck. Yeah, twenty percent of it, them. Izzy ate that one. That was like they were like cheering to, to his... give any fucks. Izzy was ready to kill Laurel without a second thought. Yeah, that's the thing about Izzy that I kind of was like that is the unspoken beauty of Izzy. She would have killed Laurel, and then in this case, there was the guy who had with like the art opening, and I'm like, this is the most LA shit I've seen in my life. Like of all this movie with all the traffic, this guy with his like, I I wouldn't call myself a feminist. Like I I couldn't yes. tell if he was being patronizing or like he some of the stuff he s- said makes sense, but I'm like this mm, I don't know. Like everything he said was so convenient. It was like what Laurel said. It's like it's too easy, and then Izzy just eats him anyway. I did like that guy though. Did yeah, he deserve like better? We don't know. Like a, he's like a cute and sweet nihilist in this movie. Everybody else um, specifically be looking for shitty guys, and she's like, mm. "I mean, I guess if one happens to wander into my teeth, that's fine." But, right? Yeah. It's just hungry. <laughs> I'm just gonna keep biting, and if they're there, it's <laughs> their own so how fault. Much of, so when we say so, when Duke says that twenty percent of the people are usually pretty are decent people. How much of that 20% is Izzy? That's almost all Izzy, I think. <laughs> yeah. Duke didn't even have to glamour Izzy. Izzy was already ready to go to just like murder whoever. Frog just pretends to be drunk and passed out and murders whoever tries to uh, make out with her. That's a good one. Yeah, that that's was a like, good one. Yeah, that yeah. is a pretty great I mean, list. Speaking of funny pots. And Andy keeps, keeps sending his emojis that like. He goes from texts yeah. to sad emojis to depressed emojis. <laughs> Um, to angry emoji yeah. <laughs> yes uh laurel it gets more and more is, like symbolic laurel can't answer these texts because she's too busy not feeding she's sitting on her <laughs> teeth then we have this this lovely this lovely meeting between her and cc the drunkest woman in the history of cinema oh seriously uh, seriously um <laughs> oh my god it's, uh, listen 
I'm gonna tell you a secret. Mm. I'm I am just waiting for my Uber. I'm not actually drunk. I'm, I'm just from. <laughs> I'm not actually drunk. Yeah, Cece, who who wants who's gonna ask for a cigarette and then turns out to already have one, um, and then just needs a lighter. Um, and it's just so just so tempting and such easy prey that Laurel almost uh, gives in and, and eats Cece. Um, Wait, poor Cece though. Cece thought she was making a new friend. Yeah, like, I'm out. I'm drunk. I've got a new friend. Everything's looking up, Cece. <laughs> and yeah. and I got a cigarette. <laughs> Cece figures it out just in time, and she makes the smart move that people never do in vampire movies and runs away, except she's not going to get very far because <laughs> Duke is there, and Duke has no hesitation about killing and eating anybody, and then proceeds to chew Laurel out while still, you know, covered in Cece's blood. So, yeah, and then Mark sends a text, and it says... Laurel, call your mom. No, it says emergency. We've, we've, Come home. And apparently, uh, Andy has had a rough time. Andy has tried to kill himself. Laurel is upset with that. We don't see any Andy. We we don't see anything about Andy. We don't hear from Andy That's other than the last we hear of Andy in the again in the movie. Like nobody reaches out to Andy. You know, checks in on him. It's. I sure would like to know if things get better for Andy down the road. Yeah, me too. That was no. We already talked about that. We talked about the Andy spinoff. Yeah, um, but really, yeah. it is just it's what sets her over the edge, and then it's so weird that when so much of her flaws of in this movie are that she's not paying attention to her friends in need, and it's like she finds out about it, and then continues not being there for her friends in need. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, yeah. I mean, she has some pretty immediate concerns following this. I know. It's a complete yeah. time scale, but given how much this movie likes already, just being like, is it a day? Is it a week? Who knows? <laughs> time doesn't exist when you're a vampire. It's like, again, actors, she does have some immediate problems. Then we kick into act three. Ostensibly, her not calling was a factor in him doing it. And now it's just, well, she's going to continue to not reach out as far as we know in the movie. Yeah. Um, this I being assume that's the well, first like, thing she does after the end of this movie is go, yeah, go deal with Andy. I, you know, I wish that they showed it or something. Like, I wish that there was a little bit of redemption there, and you know, Andy um, got done dirty. But justice there's no way that she's going to get pregnant in the fourth one. So that's true. Hashtag justice for Andy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this this scene is this scene is complex, and this is the scene I was talking about where like. They work really hard not to say the thing in the scene, which yeah. is Laurel. Laurel finds out about Andy from Mark and finally admits that like she's in over her head and she needs help with something. And Mark is like, fuck that. He, he's like, he literally tells Laurel that like he moved away to get away from her. She's like, oh, were you embarrassed? He's like, no, I'm, I'm not embarrassed. Like my whole life was about you. Like I stood up to mom and dad for you. I, you know, told other people off for you. I just didn't want to be my whole life to be defined by you and your whole deal anymore. Um, nobody ever asks if Mark is okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> except well, who except fucking for who wants to know. <sighs> yeah, I mean. And then, I, and then what happens happens. I ask like, well, Mark, how you doing now? 
Are you doing okay? This Mark's last line here has some some real punch, and I'm, I'm not sure how much. I mean, I guess it, it's borne out by her relationship with Andy, but like he says, I never stood in the way of you becoming who you are, but it turns out who you are is a selfish bitch, and is like, whoa, that, that is a lot more relationship than Mark said this entire movie. This this does the scene I feel like brings up a really complex issue that I don't think that the the movie's really prepared to talk about. There are aspects of relationships, you know, especially people who are transitioning have with their family that I think it deserves some discussion, but like Mark if Mark was more interesting or cool or whatever, like if Mark was more of anything other than call your mom, are you okay? Then, you know, I I feel like this might have actually had a little bit of weight rather than him just sounding like an asshole. I've been in a a unique position of knowing a lot of twins, one of whom has transitioned. And there's some really important relationship nuance there when you've spent your entire life with somebody that you're that close to. Not just a brother, because like, you know, Mark was an older brother and, you know, he's... And, and with any um, sibling relationship, there's going to be a little bit of like, okay, I want to go be my own person, you know? And with Mark, he's, he's getting kind of like a bit of a, a savior thing. Like, why are you so mad that I was an ally? You know, I was this ally and you're, you know, no one gives a shit. And that's like, oh my God, you know, cry me a fucking river. But there is a, a trace of validity to that kind of discussion. I don't think this movie was the place to talk about it. From what I got from that that exchange is that like, and not to say that this is with every trans youth's experience transitioning young, blah, 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 with siblings, but the way I perceived it is that that Laurel's transition and, and teenage years and stuff like that took up a lot of emotional bandwidth from the parents. Yeah. So much that he, I maybe he felt like he was neglected or he wasn't getting as much attention or that she was such a focus for the entire family yeah that turned into like a form of resentment for him yeah and then eventually he's like i'm out because he was just you know he had reached his limit but to then throw it in her face like that and call her selfish bitch i was like no what like (laughs) (laughs) that was too much like i could see kind of where he was coming from i think a line and i think that's a weakness of the movie dancing around the subject rather than confronting it head on is that it robs the characters of the explicit experiences that I think would give them more needed nuance and like depth and history for this kind of exchange. Yeah. Yeah. This was, this was the, the moment in the movie where like, I was really like, I had been asking the question of like, are, are they, intentionally just not saying trans or not saying what she's been through in this because it like up to this point in a lot of places it's like it could have just been you know she she talks about you know almost committing suicide at some point and it could have just been like depression and uh you know various mental shit and you know this is the point where like mark should at some point in this conversation say what it is that he's upset about and like they very clearly go out of their way for him not to say what it was he was standing up for, why it was that, you know, he got in fights with his parents for her, you know, because he, he talks about supporting her and he talks about her becoming who she wanted to be. It tries so hard to not say it that it, it feels um, feels like it starts, to me at least, it feels like it starts pushing it in the wrong direction. Yeah. Uh-uh that that, that yeah. it becomes taboo to say it and then that becomes toxic you know so it goes 
a little far. The fact that he says that, um, she gets uh, justifiably upset and attacks him. You know, time to feed. Yeah, she's got she's got a lot of pent up rage and pent up hunger, and she attacks the shit out of him. And then she's like, "Oh fuck, there's that rule." And Mark, um, let's see, yes, is a boy. She doesn't check. She knows. Um, that'd be weird. <laughs> He's like bleeding all over the place. So. Yeah, she's like, but he is bleeding all over the place, and he can become a vampire like any fucking second now. So she drags him to the club, and she's like, "I need the cure." And the girls I are did, like, I have "My notes, I'm like, why? Why are you bringing him to like to Duke? How do you possibly think this is going to turn out?" I mean, but like, I, th- she doesn't know any other vampires, so. <laughs> I mean, she's she's there for the cake, and the cake is a lie, right? She's sure that she's going to get this. Uh, cure that she she held in her hand and duke alluded to and of course it is exactly what it looks like which is a uh, bottle of everclear with the label scratched off and the cure was never a real thing uh mark has to die and duke straight up says either you kill him or i do and laurel decides to take a rather extreme measure she tells mark to run and then uh, rips out her own throat over the grate and bleeds down into where the uh the first bride is down there first bride comes popping up and uh blows the place up laurel really rolls the dice here she had no idea how that first bride would react yeah Yeah, they never met (laughs) right she just heard her like a and it's weird because the first time we hear the the noise in the grate like the second time it's definitely sobbing but the first time i was like it, there was weird gasping and it sounded like almost sexual you know, so i'm like yeah i was like is that the torture <laughs> dungeon the club? yeah is, is that is that where the you know the sex dungeon is no it's just the dungeon dungeon she chucks some grenades around the place and decides she's gonna go uh bring her bring her ex back into this situation um meanwhile mark mark manages to recover much faster than laurel did when she was originally bit um and hauls laurel out of the club into the car um and we we get our first real real-time experience with vlad and uh his teeth yeah a lot of teeth action there he reminded you of cat bus you think he said he had to show all of his teeth yeah it was a very there's no fangs yeah yeah they could at least have the fangs in there i guess they the art department spent all of their time with the gang which is like okay well i mean if you have limited resources you better use them to you know the best that you can but he he was very like big teeth talking he talked more than the cat bus did though slightly and he he breaks duke's big secret the first thing he does when he shows up He, he monologues and he reveals that Duke has been subtly glamoring the other vampires. So I'm not 100% sure here, but I think he's referencing Chinatown in this scene, which like... What? Wait, what? what? Because he says he's he's paraphrasing a movie. He says most people never have to know what they're capable of. And the closest thing I can think of to that is in Chinatown, the uh, Noah Cross says most people never have to face the fact that at the right time in the right place they're capable of anything yeah i think that might be it yeah good catch i mean that's about as uh subtle as the um the way that <laughs> the, the glamour works yeah because for... <laughs> vlad shows up and just blows up duke's spot he's like hey 
who's been getting glamoured by your leader? You all. And they're like, oh no, he must be correct, but he is also glamouring them. So like, who was she? That was another thing. I mean, she... Duke did not deny it. Yeah. That's true. Because like, he comes out, we have like, you know... Duke is immediately, they're like, is it true? Duke's like, I thought it would help. And it's like, (laughs) oh no, Duke. That is a... So that's really where the character especially of izzy i think becomes a bit of not a problem but just becomes like more of a cipher and an unknown in that her main character trait is she's completely chill and down to kill anybody which is the thing that duke's mind influence is explicitly pushing her towards so it's really hard to tell like how much of any of the izzy we see is even like really is he yeah there's a lot of philosophical quandaries here this is like a logical problem that happens with this glamour because if vlad is glamoring them and then he's telling them this thing about duke and then duke admits it does duke doing it because is he glamoring her to tell them to to confirm his lie or you know like is in his he telling the truth because he wants to sow discord among them guys i don't think i like vampires anymore <laughs> <laughs> One of these vampires always lies, and the other one always tells the truth. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and some of these motherfuckers are always trying to ice skate uphill. Yeah, yeah. reference. <laughs> <laughs> Two points. The thing is, like, this reminds me of all of the fucking rules lawyering with all the vampire powers. Like, oh, wait a minute. No. If you said this, yeah. then it was you were under you were under a spell. I'm gonna burn a willpower. I'm gonna burn a willpower. <laughs> it's just a, a dark spiral of memory. Oh my god. Now here's my I wanna say, wow, it's like vampire larps need like a special vampire lawyer. But I'm afraid if I say that, you're going to respond with, oh, no, there actually are vampire lawyers in the LARP. There are LARP players who think they are vampire lawyers. I have LARPed with, I have vampire LARPed with people who are lawyers. This seems like a very useful place for the demon lawyer to come back into this scenario. That'll, I mean, that'll be in the next, I'm almost serious, like, I'm almost committing to this spinoff, like, these comic spinoff, like. Hey, uh, I mean, Demon Brad? Brad, and be like, "Hey, uh, Brad, can we can we make comics about your about your movie? Can we make a couple <laughs> comics? Andy, the Vampire Killer, and a a girl and her cat, <laughs> um, and Vampire Lawyer, Vampire Demon Lawyer, um, ex- exonerates Vlad and or don't Duke. Forget who? Frog, Frog, Frog. It can only just be yeah. called Frog." We are going to pitch a work for hire book to a publisher. (laughs) We can do this. We have a franchise for you. (laughs) Frog. Now. Frog. Rated R. Called Frog. There are no frogs in it. Yes. I would kill just to hear that the the movie preview voice guy just say frog frog coming this summer coming this summer for the slice of life vampire revenge film you've been asking for just when you thought it was safe to return to the streets of la it's frog <laughs> who thought that who thought it was safe to go on the streets of la <laughs> you got your vaccine you, and you thought yeah. it was safe to go out now 
but you didn't know about Frog. The rest of LA. (laughs) (laughs) LA thought it was safe to exist. I saw Demolition Man. I know what's up. (laughs) I've seen Predator 2. It's never been uttered before. (laughs) 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 I saw Demolition Man. I know what's up. <laughs> this is yeah, what mid- was- this is what this is what you get at midnight podcasting. Welcome yeah. to Snipes Cast. All the best, best <laughs> Snipes movies all the time. Let's let's get back to Laurel here. Bleeding and dying in the car is like, brother, take me back. He's like, there are fucking vampires back there, and she's like, I am a fucking vampire. Let's go, and- Cry, little sister, <laughs> and. Uh, ba- back at the hideout, uh, Vlad rips Duke's heart out, literally. He's about to burn it when we hear <clears throat> a cough as Laurel returns and silently stands a little bit away from him. And then we get the most, I don't know, troubling uh, reference to... Yeah, I could have done without that line. Apparently, one of Vlad's many, many powers is that by glamoring a person, he can tell what their gender was assigned at birth. Oh uh, yeah. He just. Uh, he, oh yeah. He just looks yeah. at Laurel and goes, "I suppose it is yeah. the new millennium." I well, I mean, it made me hate Vlad. <laughs> yeah. I, hate, like, I definitely still. hated Vlad way more after that. Yeah, uh, I'm not entirely sure it was worth it. And then we get the ever clear fire breath. Yes, because because after all of this, uh, Laurel finally decided to take the cure. Um, <laughs> Which, as we learned, was Everclear, and she uh, blows it over her lighter into Vlad's face. And Holy apparently, shit. a little bit on fire is all it takes to really fuck Vlad up. This movie is literally the Simpsons quote to alcohol, the cause and solution to all of life's problems. This starts um, with Laura going to a bar, and it ends with her spinning Everclear in someone's face, immolating them. Everclear really is look, the holiest of water. It was a 50-50, it was a team-up job between the holy Everclear and the fire. That is something that, uh, you know, they never try in Castlevania. They always keep throwing the bottles of holy water. They never, like, ingest it and then spit it into people's faces. <laughs> Apparently it's a one-hit kill <laughs> if, for Dracula. Yeah, well, that's, <laughs> that's why it's important that um, Simon Belmont kisses Dracula. Exactly. <laughs> that's how... <laughs> <laughs> that's brief is this your fanfic emily no yes the sol- the solution the, c- the cure is to fuck up the gross dude which is like okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah. fire breaths him the uh others chip in by throwing uh, other bottles of alcohol at him roya jumps in there and more booze the more cube. fire yeah yeah oh, i love that i loved roya just being like pool cue just, just hit him. I don't care if it's not going to hurt him that much. I just want to hit him. This <laughs> is like the end of... beat somebody ass with a pull cue all movie. Yeah, and I've been waiting for her to do it. So here we are. It's like the end of Death Proof, but without all the bullshit. Duke is crawling to try and get her heart back. And uh, Laurel picks it up and uh, tosses it in the hole. Uh, makes Duke crawl to go get it. And then shuts her down in the hole. Which, uh, in, until she decides that she, she can reconsider Mark's joining the group. I, the way, just the way you say, until she reconsiders Mark's, I'm like, yeah, Duke, when you become a communist, you're allowed out of the hall. <laughs> until then, you have to learn how to accept Marx. <laughs> <laughs> That's why there are all these red flags everywhere. I mean, I mean, they are redistributing the wealth. 
<laughs> means of production. <laughs> Solid. Yeah, and of oh. course she follows that up by uh, like Dua Lipa making new rules. Sorry, don't start now, Jeremy. <laughs> Just I'm I'm too tickled by my own. That's it. I'm out of Dua. I'm out of Dua Lipa. Don't start now is the only Dua Lipa song I know. So like I'm out <laughs> after one reference. Yeah. So the the last bit we see here is we have a conversation between Laurel and Mark. Mark says uh, that she should just kill him because you know all this stuff about guys and and not being able to handle power. And I think this is where the movie really says says what it means about this whole thing because uh, I think there's a lot of a lot of takes on the internet, hot as they are, uh, that have not seen <laughs> the end of this movie. Laurel's answer to this is like, just because you're a dude doesn't mean you have an excuse to be a shithead. Control yeah. your damn behavior and you'll be fine. Which is like the yeah. most correct take on this. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Also, fucking Mark is wearing this whole movie to bust out this bloody white t-shirt and sunglasses look that he is yeah. just looking fantastic in. Yeah. And I'm like, what? What? You've been doing nothing this whole for me this whole movie, and now you just come out like fucking james dean looking vampire motherfucker fuck you you look handsome <laughs> yeah i mean he's you have to be a vampire first yeah you have to be a vampire yeah. and that's what i'm saying once he became a vampire he got so much hotter he's somebody yeah, edward cullen <laughs> let's hope not it's a lot of responsibility the the idea of um dealing with the consequences is so much more of of a that's a that's a take that I really prefer to the fatalist, like, well, I guess we'll die, uh, you know? Um, and that's something like the, the, I picture a world that everyone's a vampire. I mean, is, what would they eat, though? I know, right? <laughs> Pigeons, <laughs> each other. Yeah. Well, that's the, that's the, the, we have capitalism. yeah what (laughs) we haven't gotten to the class question yet the picture of the world where everyone's a vampire like doesn't really work unless you you know without the follow-up of like we all have to just learn how to deal with each other i really like that i i really i really like that take the narrative of giving up is easy i feel like the end of this movie says boys will be boys is not the correct answer and the correct response to that is not then kill them Correct response is then they should grow the fuck up. Boys don't have to keep being boys. They should grow the fuck up. And that's that's what we should expect, not we we can't trust them because they're dudes. Like, no, they're uh they're dudes. They need to, you know, learn and grow like everybody else. Yeah. Well there's the, I picture the the also the thing about I picture a world where um everyone's a vampire. You know, I think that that is just a, a teen's perspective on living a full life. Like, not, not, I'm not talking about like a live, laugh, love full life, but like <laughs> a fucking, like living a long time and what that means, you know? And I feel like a lot of, there's, there's so much story that is in a microcosm, especially like with vampire movies, the one thing that they don't talk about with all your anachronistic vampires and you know your funny anachronistic vampires and they don't really talk about how much changes within a fucking decade and especially like you know those of us who have lived in the last year and how much has changed there's there's nothing that you can really rely on to be consistent and you gotta change just because there's a system in in place doesn't mean that it's perfect you know there there's too much time for the systems that suck to just stay that way if that'll make sense but you know i think that there's a lot of that going on with 
um you know just because you're a dude doesn't mean you have to be a shithead just because you know shit sucks doesn't mean that we have to die or we have to deny it you know we have to figure something out and you know that's that's fucking cool you know that's very different than every other story about vampires which is like undeath uh but in this case it's like okay we have done a thing and now we we are going to live no matter what we have to live to deal with the consequences of that thing you know and that is a that is a reality of what's you know of of life right now yeah Um, so i i mean i feel like this conversation is going to be the rest of our um political or progressive politics thing so real quick the end is just she she says what do we do now maybe we should do what everybody with power should do and never does we share it and then we get a very the end or is it laurel and the gang share pieces of vlad's heart and everybody's getting some and then uh we get a little voiceover over the credits of uh laurel saying that was fun i hope we make more of those and i promise there's no way i get pregnant in the fourth one what about that ridley scott shit vampires in space god what about Uh, that ridley scott shit yeah hey spires the planet of the vampire women yeah so that's where that's where uh fucking vampirella is from draculon um the planet of vampires where the rivers run with blood that's all real (sighs) i didn't know draculon was a was a thing yep that's all that's all actual well i should say that's all real that's all (laughs) vampirella lore uh draculon is a real thing uh, in that I story, I find that Vampirella lore is not canonical to reality. Dracula lore is barely that. canonical to itself. Let's talk about Let's... progressive politics. Wow, where do we start? Well, we've already started. One in this movie, I get is queer issues. We have a trans main character, like all of the main um, the main women in this are like are gay and queer. Like this is a very very queer movie with tons of representation absolutely it's it's well done and even even with complaints we have about characters like roya and frog being sort of sidelined in this story they are still yeah it's not as if the main character isn't trans we have trans queer women we have queer women of color we have butch queer women like it's this is a movie that is queer like to its bones and its dna what what i was uh thinking that i uh, avoided jumping into in the the previous section is i i do wonder how the ending and outcome of this movie is sort of influenced by the the queerness of it and specifically the uh queer and, and transness of its main character because uh you know this is definitely a a story that takes the idea that like the change into being a vampire or the state of being a dude with power is somehow dooming and says no like people can change like entire aspects Mm -hmm. of people can change and people can be who who they want to be who they are they can be better versions of themselves and i think you know putting that from the lens of a a character who has you know themselves realized something big and important about themselves i think lends itself to uh, that message at the end i mean just as a trans femme non-binary person um i definitely enjoyed this kind of you know the rejection of duke's very rigid uh binary thinking yeah i like that in terms of just you know break to me that ending does represent a little bit of the 
breaking down of the gender binary a little like yeah. a little bit i mean it's not like an explicit theme it's not like the movie suddenly shifting into like big non-binary themes but yeah it certainly does portray like the good happy heroic ending as being a rejection of like this moral gender binary and that gender and what we are can be more i don't know it's after midnight and i'm rambling <laughs> no no that that makes a lot of sense like you the uh the fact that duke, duke's viewpoint you know i said earlier that she there's no gray area with duke she sees things in binary and that is her problem you know and that is a problem that we all recognize as a problem i don't know if if this movie had the time or the energy to address that specifically and explicitly like um you know like i feel like if especially as to to your point jeremy about the um that whole idea of becoming something you know that you're not that you can become something better you can become someone who you are meant to be you know just because you're a dude doesn't mean you have to be a shithead you know just because you're a vampire doesn't mean you have to be a shithead <laughs> or i mean apparently you do have to be sexy though but you know that just comes with it just because you're depressed but, doesn't mean you can't get better you know you can't yeah change that and yeah. i do feel like if they said that you know they don't have to say trans but they could have said transition like because there's there's words like i feel like in the scene with um uh with mark if if she was like were you embarrassed that i was trans that i'm trans or whatever you know would have felt like a bit of a, a lifetime movie line if someone had said the word transition and or if if laurel said especially laurel if laurel was like you know i had a transition and and you know i became something somebody different i think that would have helped the point of the movie at that point um the, you know I, I think that would have helped the the idea that like you have to change and evolve beyond the binary beyond you know the expectations beyond systems so yeah the we do have a question here about mental illness we have references to the, the stuff on all capital letters laurel went through but um the more explicit detail of of mental illness we get from a distance with andy i, I wish that there was a little bit more nuance to that i wish there had been follow-up to it yeah yeah i wish it feels like such a major plot point to had just have left completely hanging like the character, like the character and the plot thread, deserved more than he committed suicide or not. He attempted suicide. Yeah, I mean, you still haven't. And as far as we know, she still hasn't reached out to him by movie's end. I know there was a lot going on, and I know it was all on a very compressed time frame from that point on. But boy, is it just disheartening to see that's where we leave that character. I think Andy is a, a difficult character to fit into. The Duke situation because Andy is clearly, uh, you know, a person who identifies as, as being male, uh, who is not a shithead, who is, you know, mm -hmm. a, a caring, feeling person. And the moment that you introduce Andy to Duke and the crew, at some point you have to go, well, hold on. Like, <laughs> I think the way yeah. you do it is that Andy comes to visit, they have a fight, she attacks him, and now Act Three is about Andy becoming a vampire instead of the brother. Yeah, um, I'm wondering if there was a version of that with that. Not saying that's necessarily a better version, just 
if you're going to work Andy much more into the plot, I feel like that's one of the, that's a route to take. You yeah. can take. Or they could have just had Andy at the end having some of the heart. He's a vampire too now. He's invited. I would have settled for like Mark walks out of the roof and Laurel's like texting on her phone being like, I just talked with Andy, like, boop, phone away. Now let's have the scene like normal. Like, even, yeah. if, even if it was just like a couple lines here, even if it was awkward and a little felt a little out of place, I would have liked just some kind of closure on that character. Yeah. It just really sucks that a suicide attempt is the last note we get for him. That's it's one of the few drop balls. And I, I do wonder, you know, how much of, of that is maybe you know budgetary they just didn't mm-hmm. have you know enough enough money behind yeah. us to shoot more stuff and bring i mean back. but hell i feel like it's very likely that you know they did film something where they checked in and we get a result and we get more resolution and it just became like oh you know what this doesn't flow into the movie anywhere well uh we're a little pressed for time and it's just got to be cut. So, like, and again, it could be the kind of thing where, like, it wouldn't have been worth losing the flow. I don't know. I just know that, you know, from our armchair quarterbacking, if we can <laughs> make this, like, if we can just wave a magic wand and create the most perfect possible version of the story. Like, yeah, we would just like to have seen the character get more resolution. Yeah um you know and that i think that would have also been a little bit more uh comfortable in terms of um you know how the the, his mental illness was treated in the movie because you know at this point it felt just like a plot point rather than like a, a, a genuine character struggle um you know it felt like it was it was laurel's it was it was basically a reason for laurel to feel shitty I like to be the person to say this, but we have a term for that in comics, and it generally refers to women being in refrigerators. But yeah, you know, queer best friends are not uh, an unusual supplement for that. You know, and Andy's trauma in this case only exists to further Laurel's character, which is not best. The movie does better with other stuff. Yeah, can we talk about the people of color in this movie? Yeah, let's talk about the people of color in this movie because they exist and they are they're important. I mean, Frog doesn't talk get to talk a lot, but um, cool. <laughs> she does she she does do things. I like Frog and I like Izzy. Both of them are are great. Izzy is a little, little nihilistic, amoral vampire herself, but yeah, I, I think both of them are. I mean, they're not especially Frog. There's not as much as I I would have liked, but you know, the movies are only so long. Um, yeah, yeah, and. You know, like we said, I'd I'd love to see more of that character, which you know is a is a testament to the character because there are plenty of you know characters of color in in stories that uh, don't get much screen time, and I don't really want to see more of those characters. Yeah. <laughs> um, as Ben said, this movie uh, is really successful at making you want more. No, this is an unfortunate time for it to come out with the, you know, pandemic and everything where it didn't get a a full theatrical release the way uh, I know I would have liked for it to. Um, And, you know, got more, I mean, it got very little, you know, critical discussion. It wasn't advertised or thrown out there really. I discovered this from Nicole Maines promoting it on her Twitter feed. 
Like, yeah. That's how I found out about this. And it's such a good movie. Like it's such a fresh, modern, like wonderfully queer take on the vampire genre that has like real things to say and is telling things of like great acting and great characters. Like this is a good, solid movie. Like mm-hmm. it's not a perfect movie, but it is a good movie. Yeah, I, I would argue there aren't too many perfect movies, and yeah. most of the ones that are, I feel like you could say perfect. Don't don't Look, not everything only perfect because be... they don't attempt anything very dangerous. Yeah. Look, not everything can be D two, the Mighty Ducks, <laughs> a movie that improved. After midnight, Elizabeth. you still got it. You a still got Emily. I yeah. said <laughs> you've killed Emily. Usually, usually my example of a perfect movie that doesn't attempt very much is Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, yeah, it does everything like it sets someone, out to do. It doesn't set out someone, to do much, but it does it. Someone looked at the original Mighty Ducks and said, "Well, there's Kids Olympics, right?" And I was like, "I don't think there is." It's like, "Well, there is now." <laughs> <laughs> Who's the villain? What if we combined Russia and Germany to create Iceland? <laughs> like, sure, they've never. That's like, yeah. but we already have the full team from the first movie. It's like, you know what it was missing? A series of wacky, gimmicky racial stereotypes. Does this movie discuss class? Um, Not discusses really. the redistribution of the means of production. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and that's even more discussing gender than class at that point. Like, yeah, yeah, it's. I don't feel like it's really big into class so much. No, everybody in this movie is I can mean, afford like awesome clothes. Yeah, Duke's got an element of like started from the bottom. Now I'm here. I mean, Duke definitely was poor before she became a vampire. Yeah, they just have money by being, being vampires. vampires. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, seem seems achievable, right? Um, we do not need money. We are vampires. Oh, I mean, to be fair, maybe it get maybe money gets to you a lot farther. You'd be like, we do not need to pay rent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The rent is too damn high. <laughs> we are appro- we are approved by the co-op board. <laughs> My credit is perfect. <laughs> Izzy is classy. Izzy Luke is classy. Yeah. yeah. Frog is classy. Yeah. They're Frog classy. is it's a yeah. classy group. Yeah. Ro- Roya is probably the least like traditionally classy. But, you know, th- clothing I... doesn't always sum up the uh you know, a character can be just very classy um, suspenders. Just... Yeah. Yes. Yeah, she I definitely suspenders. She definitely I, I stole I, I those suspenders I, off of like a Wall Street CEO. Yeah, that she ate. <laughs> that she ate. One hundred percent. Just to get some cocaine. No. We I, we ate the drug blood. Now we yeah. are drugs. <laughs> we have the drug blood. We have, we are, and I'm a wizard. How about this movie? Is this movie feminist? Um. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Back it up. Come on, let's go. Let's do it. Um this is uh this movie is a deep dive on very like on feminism. And it talks about feminism and where, you know, like 
where where feminism is not um, done any favors by binary thinking. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, it's not just feminist, it's about feminism. Um, and so, you know, it is so feminist that it gets uh, that far into it. So um, I think we've based, we've, we've broken that down quite a bit. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head when it's like, how can you just label a movie feminist, yes or no, when feminism itself is such a huge theme of the movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, the characters, uh, all the characters are great. <laughs> I mean, Mark, someday. Andy, done dirty, but Mark, once you get that bloody t-shirt and sunglasses on, pal, you struck gold. Keep that <laughs> yeah. keep up that energy. Um and Jeremy, you have some some uh quotes about the characters. Yeah, so uh I I went through a few um interviews. I found an interview with Flip Screen where they talked to uh the writer director. Um I, I think the most interesting ones are, are uh, you know, as they are in the movie, are um, Laurel and Duke. Um, I especially like this description of Duke that he gave. Uh, Duke was the most invented. I really wanted to make an iconic nihilist figure in the vein of a Tyler Durden or the Joker, but something that was anti-red pill MRA that yeah. had that attitude that appeals to angry, angsty teens, but that could never be hijacked by Reddit trolls. Um, I love that so much. Yeah. yeah. The oh, name is I both a reference that. to David Bowie's Thin White Duke character and John Wayne, uh, because she has, uh, she is from a farm. And I wanted to give her this element of shit kicker, just a patina of it, something that you wouldn't maybe notice at first, a hick swagger that remained no matter how punk and city she became. That's eloquent. I mean, yeah. They did it. I do love the the reference to Thin White Duke as well. Although Thin White Duke, if, if you really do a deep dive onto that character, that the character in, in and of itself is a bit uh, problematic. But like the, um, you know, but having a reference to David Bowie, <laughs> that's by itself. Um, but I mean, yeah. I kind of uh, love the idea of, of Duke being a queer female John Wayne character. Like, yes. It's a... That's a wild combination of words, but like, it's so like, she does have that sense of swagger and that uh, just like that, that feeling that, you know, she, she would be the one that would get into the, you know, bar, bar brawl and just be, you know, knocking the shit out of everybody. Yeah. You know, the, the, the fatalistic character, the Tyler Durden thing is actually really inspired. I think, I've been waiting for that character as a woman and I've, I've never seen it, you know, like we, we talked in the craft about, um, Faruza Balk being, uh, the Joker and, you know, we were joking, but like that I was, could do okay, it. I was not joking. Okay. You were not joking. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, cause I was, I was gonna very say... serious about that fan cast. Okay, I, w- I was gonna say, because like that also was inspired. I feel like that, w- you know, like <laughs> I thought we were joking, but I, I, but I felt like we shouldn't have been, but now we, we weren't, so good. Uh, 
the the um the duke character really succeeds as being like the the girl tyler durden um and that's kind of amazing i love it and so cool seeing like getting to see an openly lesbian character getting to be that kind of character like to get to play those roles and oh it was just duke is awesome it's just such a cool character to come out of this movie yeah yeah i mean literally tearing down society as she tears down the gender roles and shit in there so yeah well she's um she's still holding on to some some toxic stuff which tyler Durden also does and so does the joker so like i mean that's that's why they're not the protect that's why they're not the protagonist yeah yeah but they like you know the way that um in in this interview she is uh um and she has an attitude that appeals to angry angsty teens you know that that definitely breaks down that that character trope in a great way like um and but you know she won't be able to be uh hijacked by reddit trolls unless they're like turfs but you know um yeah and, still and that's i mean that doesn't work for turf because uh she is immediately accepting of laurel yeah um, yeah um she just maybe hasn't so, maybe hasn't thought about uh maybe hasn't thought too close about the gender binary um yeah yeah i mean and you know she's in her 60s you have to cut her some slack right <laughs> okay boomer <laughs> uh, yeah because i mean she um, moved, she was a teenager in the 70s so um, i mean she's fucking leaps and bounds ahead of them but yeah we have the the d- description of the origin of Roya came from the just a, a crystallized image of the teen girl on a skateboard who was dressed like Slash, joint jutting out from her mess of hair and ratty clothes, skated by a bunch of skinheads by the Huntington Pier and gave them all double middle fingers and skated off. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, yes. Who hasn't had a moment like that where they're like, that person I want that to see is a the movie silhouette that I want yeah <laughs> yes so yeah that's a that's a relatable feeling we have the the lgbtqa question and and more lgbtqia and more question is um so there was some some research that was done a lot of research because is okay you know there is the the research that they did into um uh the the i guess the um experiences of transition and and um you know coming out as lgbt and and all that but we have a list of books that they name drop um so yeah we have delusions of gender by cordelia fine Redefining Realness by uh, Janet Mock. Um, so re- read that. Um, Becoming Nicole by Amy Ellis Nutt. Um, and it has nothing to do with uh, apparently the broadcasting Nicole. Uh, She's Not There by Jennifer Finney Boylan. Um, and then the script was vetted by uh, Sabrina Saunders, um, actor and comic writer. Um, you know, and, and this is a lot more information than we usually have for, you know, folks who are writing about 
something that maybe they don't immediately identify with. Um, you know, and, and many other directors and writers may be doing this, but it's really cool to see where, you know, especially as creatives like we are, um, to see really good reference, because this is obviously this movie was successful at a lot of things. Um, so, you know, shout out to those uh, those writers, those creators and, and those people who have uh, um, helped put this together. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm always somebody who's going to champion researching, you know, yeah. types of people you're writing who aren't like you. Um, <laughs> not as if I am somehow invested in that concept. Um, <laughs> what? <clears throat> yeah, but um, yeah, I was I was impressed by this, and I was uh, just in in my interactions with um, you know Brad online, um, you know when I was talking about this when I watched it initially, because you know right after right after watching the movie, I you know got online and was kind of poking around asking people uh how they felt about you know the way it handled specifically um you know trans issues and stuff and um you know in in part because it was so interesting to me that it was so much part of this story that the main character is trans and that is so important to the story in ways that uh, they don't ever talk about in the story yeah um, that was that was fascinating to me i was i was curious how um people felt about that and uh you know uh brad sort of jumped in there and, and sort of reposted my question uh to you know fans of the movie and you know kind of let them answer it and i think the majority of the answers I, I got back was um that it's it's rare to see a a movie with a you know trans protagonist that isn't all about being trans and that that was a welcome mm -hmm. change for people that it was not like the entirety of the, the movie. It's making coming up with recommendations hard because I'm trying to think of like, okay, what other like action-oriented like trans protagonist stories can I recommend to people? What other TV shows and movies out there? Fuck. I can only go for vampire stuff at this point. The the representation in this movie, again, like as Ben said, this movie's not perfect, but it does so much better by leaps and bounds mm -hmm. than other films do um so much so that it brings up new questions that i think are important to be brought up in in these movies but you know a vampire movie about like girls kicking ass maybe not the the perfect place to discuss that um like you know because this is talking about a specific Next time on underworld oh god <laughs> i want to turn into bees um Anyway, That's a horror movie right there too. It's just like, oh no, Emily is bees now. Yeah, um, bees. I'm vampire bees now. What as as not, now? As long as you're not Nazi bees. That's dope. What? Yeah, vampire bees would be great. Yeah, I'm. What's I'm anti not Nazi? Nazi bees. So. What? What's uh, about? What's Nazi bees? Oh, uh, so there's a legit Marvel villain called the Swarm, who is literally a Nazi made out of bees. That's stupid. Bees would, bees are not Nazis. <laughs> he was. I love that's the reason why that villain is stupid. He was a Nazi <laughs> I mean, scientist who was doing experiments involving the, bees yeah. and the psychic connection with them. And uh, 
in the process of doing so ended up uh you know be being killed losing his body in some way and uh is now assembled out of a swarm of bees um who are psychically connected to each other in a swarm i i I just love that your reaction was like what is this ridiculousness the political philosophy of bees while leaning towards monarchism is clearly distinct and would (laughs) never accommodate open fascism yeah (laughs) duh i'm like yeah marvel get your shit together (laughs) <laughs> i mean first of all look all i know is that if we had gotten captain america four ah, oh, what a villain i mean just christoph waltz I, made out of bees bees do not deserve this slander yeah they're they're trying hard enough as it is i know <laughs> we need we do not need to drag bees into this but um there needs to be a whole movie about protecting the bees maybe the, if if iron man protects the bees maybe people will give a shit this is that would be an Ant Man and the Wasp opportunity. Yeah, <clears throat> I, know, the, I know, but this is a big. I know, but this is a big problem. We need, we need to get the big gun franchise. Oh, okay, we need it. Okay, are you saying Ant Man and the Wasp aren't like big enough? That's what Cap. That's what Chris Evans is coming back for. Is look, Captain I'm saying if, the bees moving. I'm just saying <laughs> if Thor four more Thor has an overall pro B message, I'll be happy. <laughs> yeah i think we need to really talk about the important subjects so how, how do you feel like this movie ta- talks about it. bees <laughs> <laughs> our minds are broken <laughs> <laughs> well like this movie does a lot of things really well and now it starts bringing up new questions like what about the bees <laughs> where's, the, where's the good bee representation in this <laughs> yeah Right, that's next on the list. Yeah. Jerry Seinfeld wants to know. <laughs> um, where's the movie where a bee gets into a romantic relationship with a human and is then sued by Goodfellas star Ray Liotta? That is bad bee representation. That movie was <laughs> slanderous against the bees. Um, anyway. Uh, did anybody else have... I mean, did you, did you guys want to say anything more on the trans and lgbt representation in this um when we talk about the go ahead please i'm just grateful for this movie and its role in helping push things forward exactly more more of this please yes Yes. um you're queer and we're so glad you're here (laughs) yeah well it's it's more than just queer i will say that it's queer and then some Uh you know um it's uh we don't have to write fan fictions to get our queerness Ugh. explicit. Yeah. The, uh, the, the female versus male gaze in this movie is actually kind of an interesting question because there's a lot of female to female gaze. And uh, that's something that needs to be talked about. It's, it's the sapphic gaze. Yeah, the sapphic gaze. Um, yeah. Bit of a bit, bit redundant. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I'm going to make that joke every single time we do. <laughs> I'm um, okay with that. Cool. Um, yeah, the, the, there's not a lot of, I mean, other than like Frog being like, hey, you know, there's not a lot of like female gaze upon male character. And, you know, I feel like that's where we get, things get confusing with the master, you know, where Jeremy, you were talking about the, the, the glamour and everything and uh, the, 
that does come into it you know i don't think that the movie is that like again complex that it's like oh hey let's really get like talk about the logical hang-ups of everything that the master does but um or is you know this movie definitely has um a female gaze to you know the sapphic female gaze which i don't see a lot it's more of again more of it please yeah more of that please like i haven't seen killing eve i don't know if that even has sapphic gaze i mean it's it's a tv it's directed directed by different people but yeah oh okay (laughs) yeah some uh some episodes are more explicitly queer than others are more revelatory in the queerness as it were yeah I, i think I think it's really interesting you, you talk about, you know, the, the sapphic female gaze and, and how that differs from, uh, I guess, straight male gaze. And, like, I, th- I think it's particularly interesting in the fact that, like, the... I don't think there's any question that, like, Duke is sexy, but, like, yeah. Duke is never scantily clad. There's never any, like, weird upskirt shots of Duke. They don't feel it's necessary to shoot scenes from between her legs. Like, you know, things that they've done to other you know sexy female vampire characters um you know she's not wandering around in a white nightgown or <laughs> whatever it is like, yeah like so yeah. many dracula brides that ain't that ain't duke uh-uh. and that frog ain't wears a flannel frog wears a flannel and a and like a camellia in her hair yeah i love the the corner the sort of like dichotomy of like very like baggy loose yeah sort of not form-fitting clothing but having a very like feminine all yeah, of their hair is very like the fashion feminine. for all of the all of their fashion for all the the main women was just so top-notch like they all each had their own distinct unique styles that communicated so much about them and their characters and they just even through a variety of looks and outfits they all maintained consistent styles and aesthetics that just contributed to their uniqueness and their vividness as characters and again like you said like they really passed that silhouette test mm-hmm. absolutely yeah and i mean fucking like we even talked about fucking roya like she's like she's got her whole whole aesthetic and i i think it's a thing that you really don't see outside of like very serious dramas you don't see characters that look like roya um yeah you know having having a character like that in in this movie and giving her like funny shit to do too because like she's funny like the dryness with which she delivers lines in this movie um and i I think like it's i don't know like it's it's so it's so surprising to me um you know because i I think we've talked also about uh a, a couple of other you know queer horror movies that like present you know, women and, and men in ways that like the other horror movies never think to. And I think, you know, she's yeah. she's a pretty classic example of that. Um, yeah, the only character that, the, the only one that I'm thinking of, I mean, there are a few that are like, I mean, you have like science fiction movies, like po- apocalyptic movies, you know, these characters that n- not situations where the characters choose to look that way, but they just do um because of the setting but then um and then you have uh there's a character that she reminds me of in foxfire 
um, which was about how, I mean, that wasn't about that character and also that character was a disaster. So like, yeah, this is such a breath of fresh air. Um, so yeah, I think this movie is worth seeing. Watch it. Absolutely worth seeing without it. Yeah. For sure. If you, I've already watched yeah. it twice. <laughs> I'm going to watch it more times. Yeah, it was like, I I felt like I could talk about it after the first one, but I was like, I, I want to go back and make sure I hit everything in this. It's, it is definitely, it holds up to a second watch. Um, and I, I feel like, I don't know, I guess I accepted uh, Vlad a lot more easily than the two of you did. Partially, maybe that's my, or I guess than everybody did because uh, I don't know that maybe that's my my straight maleness. Um, like, <laughs> whatever. I guess he's sexy. It's I don't a dude know. in a neck, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know, Jeremy. You you know that like you recognize when characters are supposed to be sexy. Yeah. Yeah, like and I. They actually are. I definitely recognize that they're telegraphing sexiness on this character. Um, yes. But like, I it was definitely a case where like. I looked at him and I was like, I don't see it. But if I had, you know, asked Alicia who was watching it with me, if I'd been like, is that guy sexy? And she'd been like, oh yeah. I would have been like, eh, whatever. Um, <laughs> definitely cases where we're watching stuff. Like, like this sexy. Yeah, there's I'm definitely like, cases it... where we're watching things and I'm like, that guy? And she's like, oh yeah, like, that if it, sexy. Like imagine if it had been Mads Mikkelsen in that role. Like, holy shit. That's what I was going to say, because, like, Matt, okay, 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 okay. Mads Mikkelsen looks like a skeleton man, but he is fucking sex on a stick. Yeah. Like, he is, he has, like, these, this, like, skull-like face, and he has, like... He looks like a vampire. Yeah, he looks like a fucking vampire. And, like, he... Like, there's something about him that it's like Vin Diesel in Fast and the Furious. He's <laughs> just like a... His gender is mountain. Like you, like not just that, but like the whole idea that he's just this glorious creature that, you know, he is, he like, there are people like, um, I feel like, you know, there's, there are people that are not, that don't telegraph sex like the other characters normally do. Like you have characters that are like, you know, um, big and muscly or like, you know, lean or whatever. But, um, you know, there's the boya sexy, there's, you know, the, the various forms, but like Mads Mikkelsen can be wearing like a blanket made out of a wool. Snuggie. He could be wearing a Snuggie and then he'd be like, hello. And then I'd be like, my pants are off. <laughs> like, holy shit, where'd they go? Oh no. <laughs> um, well, this is embarrassing. And then he's like, is it? Is it? And I'm like, <laughs> nope. No, yes, but I don't. I'm, I'm not moving. My favorite is always to when to promote Death Stranding. Hideo Kojima decided to just turn his Twitter account into a uh, Mads Mikkelsen thirst profile. Mm-hmm. That was surreal. But That's I, the power of Mads. yeah, that is the power. That's a power of Matt. <laughs> but um. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, uh, I, I was inspired by this discussion to look up the sexiest portrayals of vampires in movies, and I'm, I'm a little underwhelmed by what's come up here. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 
True Blood um, Vampire Diaries. Yeah, I'm getting like, I'm getting like way too much Twilight. I, I get some, want, I don't know, there's some Colin Farrell Fright Night action in here, which I don't, I mean, I guess. I'm I getting know. some Vampire Diaries. Uh, <laughs> um, The guy from Being Human, the British one. Okay, so that's another good example of like <laughs> a, of a character. Awesome. Jesus Christ. Oh, no. no, okay, so there's characters. Yeah, the Jesus Christ was that, part of that movie. <laughs> I'm, I believe you. Um, some characters that have that are not like uh that that are not telegraphing sexiness that are like fantastic vampires there was a character in being human who was like the vampire the the sire of the main guys the the main guy vampire there's like redheaded guy who's like a police officer or something and he's like super evil but he has this really intense charisma and he looks like he's very like doughy you know like he's not he does not look like sexy vampire man but he has like this super intense look and like he really really sells it and there's a scene where he's like making money come out of his hands for like a yeah like he's doing like magic tricks for a bunch of like a senior group or something anyway let me throw this one out there for you guys just because this is one that I, I don't entirely get. Uh, Gary Oldman Dracula and Bram Stoker's Dracula? Okay, when he uh, was no, young when Dracula? Got, yeah, when he's got the long hair and the glasses and the hat. It's Trust me, it tracks. It tracks. <laughs> oh yeah, no, that Dracula, I was like, mm-hmm. <clears throat> Not the old, like, Mr. Burns like Dracula. <laughs> Fucking butt hair. <laughs> like, Gary, we're talking Gary Oldman when he's got, like, the top hat, like... Hey, Francis Ford Coppola, just just in case you're listening, like, what the fuck? Oh, but, and he's got, like, the curls down to, like, past his shoulders, like... No, that, that Dracula was fucking hot, like that. Yeah, yeah, no, young Gary Oldman Dracula and with the with glasses. Yeah, no, that, that's some, that's some good stuff. That's a good Dracula. Yeah, that was, like, chef's kiss Dracula, Um, you know. I see. I'm trying to think of other other sexy vampires but um all the ones that i can think of are made up ones that i think about <laughs> not, not the as real a, life vampires, as a, huh? yeah as opposed to <laughs> damn it, <laughs> it shut up <laughs> <laughs> shut up guys gosh it's my head cannon <laughs> um yeah anyway we were doing a podcast yep. that's, that's that's the good that's the good gary oldman dracula yeah yeah the glossy jpeg in that chat so yeah that's the sexy oh. oldman <laughs> glossy jpeg see jpegs oh yeah mm, 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 mm. damn i haven't had dinner yet <laughs> i'm quite I'm, hungry yeah all right then uh, let's Let's get on with this uh, circus. Um, <laughs> this vampire circus. Recommendations. Uh, what, uh, Ava, you got any recommendations? Uh-oh. I didn't refer- prepare for you for this part. Oh, no. Oh. We can come um, back to you if you want. Okay. Well, okay. Think about um, d- not just like vampire stuff, but like LGBT, like the books you've been reading. Oh, can I do that? Yeah. Yeah. Books? Comics? Books. Um uh um marlon i just read marlon james um 
Black Leopard, Red Wolf. Uh, so good. Uh, fantasy novel that draws inspiration from Africa and African mythology instead of the tra traditional um, European... Greek, Greek and uh, Greek and Nordic. Yeah. Um, uh, Maybe Celtic. Yeah. Has a lot of LGBT representation. Um, it's a big, uh, it's a big facet of the story and the main character. Um, and there is also vampires in that. Nice. Actually. Um, and then also uh, the Priory of the Orange Tree by Samantha Shannon. Um, got uh, more traditional, I guess, European fantasy, but a much more varied cast of characters and also uh, some queer love stories in there as well. Nice. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, Emily, you got something? Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of anime. <laughs> a lot of anime out there. That, uh, I recommend there. all of anime. <laughs> No, I do not recommend all of anime. There is a lot of anime. <laughs> Don't. There um there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of anime. But um yeah, I <sighs> let me tell you why this is like JoJo's Bizarre Adventures. Well, that, I mean JoJo's Bizarre you, anything is there's like JoJo's vampires. Bizarre Adventures. Yeah, anything is like JoJo. Um it's not just a clever name. It is bizarre and it's an adventure. But that's not what I recommend. Um, I'm actually going to recommend. I'm going to veer off from the the LGBT, like the explicit LGBT representation, because this, the, nothing really that I can think of that we haven't already talked about um, represented as well as this movie. I mean, there's a lot of anime out there. Is it better? Um, yeah, I mean that that has, uh, you know, LGBT, especially specifically like um feminism and uh, you know the, as feminist and representative as this movie is um but i will recommend a good vampire movie that is uh directed by a woman and it's called near dark that is a it is oscar-winning director there is it not yes um and it's about sort of a like a little coven of vampires existing um bill paxton and lance henriksen and um among others star sorry bill paxton um, is a vampire in this movie yes yes he is one of the main vampires um now i'm interested oh yeah um and uh you know and of course there's the lost boys um but that one is much less explicit about um the lgbt themes other than like um cory hames rob Lowe poster that he has it's front and center in his room um yeah only that movie doesn't know how queer it is ah, i mean fuck the sax man oh yeah i mean <clears throat> i mean, just watch that part of the movie um i recommend you do that um and you know there's but yeah if you want to look okay. for some well some good vampire uh, shit hold on lost boys is directed by jill schumacher at least yes. he knew exactly how queer. No, he knew he what was. he was doing. The the kids in the eighties that dressed like Twisted Sister they did not know what they were doing. They didn't know, but he knew. Yeah, yeah. Twisted Sister knew. 
um but yeah this is this has gone off the rails but yeah i recommend near dark and um you know uh if you want a good recommendation for anime there's so much of it that is this got vampires and lgbt representation just uh tweet me (laughs) or sign up for the patreon and then you can get uh, a list that i will publish someday emily's queer vampire anime list yeah (laughs) so blood plus and you (laughs) (laughs) a memoir Uh, all right uh ben what have you got i recommend me (laughs) Uh, i'm gonna recommend uh, a few of my comics i think if you want some uh really fun uh you know group of uh group of queer women kicking ass and having a lot of fun times together uh again renegade rule and esports action comedy is coming out uh, from Dark Horse Comics at, in comic stores this May. And if you want a super queer, uh, really violent, uh, angry, anti-authoritarian comic, uh, Griffin Galaxy's Most Wanted is uh, all the issues are up on Comixology. And then also watch She-Ra because she full of like queer, like wonderful queer people kicking ass against evil. Yes. And Kipo. Yeah. Yes. People in the Age of so, Wonder Beasts. Pre-order Renegade Rule. Check out Griffin Galaxy's Most Wanted. And then watch She-Ra for a fifth time. Because I'm guessing you've already <laughs> seen it four times. <laughs> yes. Watch She-Ra and or Kipo. Kipo's wonderful as well. Um, I haven't seen Killing Eve, but apparently there's a lot of... There's like... It's lesbian. It is. So, so that might be good. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Um... I'm a little behind on the Killing Eve, but the first two seasons are fantastic. Um, what to recommend? Uh, I think actually what I'm going to go with is, um, you know, I was talking about Roya and uh, how rare it is that you see uh, women who who look and dress like her in uh, in genre stuff in general, but especially in horror. Um, which reminded me of a movie I watched a little while back, which is on Netflix, which is called What Keeps You Alive, um, which is a horror movie um, in which the uh, the main character is a, a butch lesbian character uh, who goes to a cabin with her wife, her wife's family cabin, uh, for the weekend to celebrate their one-year anniversary. And in doing so, discovers uh, first that... Uh, the other people who live up in that area know her wife by a different name and that there are then a series of other um, strange surprises that uh, that unravel throughout the story. And I, I don't want to say too much of it because there is sort of a, a big twist early on. And um, it's, it's an incredible, if sometimes difficult to watch horror movie uh, that involves, you know, uh, surviving in the woods and dealing with uh, some some serious trauma and uh, also just like a lot of a lot of cool horror shit some of which you've seen but never from this particular angle um, it's a really it's a really neat movie um, definitely worth checking out uh, but <laughs> might keep you up at night as so many of our recommendations from the story uh, from this <laughs> podcast do um, 
And with that, uh, let's go through the list and let's let everybody know where they can find us online. Uh, Ava, where would you like people to find you online? Or would you? Where was your Twitter? Oh. <laughs> Twitter is at Ava the other. E V A. Yeah, E V A the and then other. Okay, and then your Instagram. Instagram is angrybarista6. <laughs> and what can what can people find on there? Oh, um, <laughs> not a lot. No, um, I think just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that interesting. I don't know. No, you are. Shut up. Um. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go but like I can just uh um hype everybody. That's something I can do. Find Ava the other and um angry brace to six on Instagram for good times and great oldies. Yes, exactly. <laughs> a lot of uh, a lot of good takes on um the a lot of kaiju stuff. Yes. Um pictures of me posing with Godzilla action figures. That's basically the highlight reel. yeah she and um you have some you have some old pics of the the gaia outfit i have one okay old drag pictures and pictures of my dog yes so there's that dog um, pictures yeah now you and now you tell people about where to find me <laughs> <laughs> why did you put that pressure on me i'm <laughs> sorry um I don't know your handles by heart. They're well, all at Megamoth. Yeah. Yeah. Anything Megamoth. Uh, yeah, except for Instagram, which is Mega underscore Moth. Underscore Moth. Yeah, it's in, it, my Instagram is Mega underscore Moth. Everything else is um, at Megamoth. Website uh, is Megamoth.net. It's dot com. Megamoth.net is dot com. Um, I, I love my Jorb. Um, the. <laughs> Uh, also, Princess Volume Ten. It's coming. It's happening. It's happening right now. Look, just stay out there. Look out there. It, it, it will happen. Keep an eye out. And if you want, if you want some like really, really like super close up photos of some of my pages, you can go on my Patreon. Only patrons can see the behind the scenes. But no spoilers. Just make a month on Patreon, by the way. Ben, go. I am on Twitter at, at Ben the Con. You can find uh, my current releases out on Comixology. And I already told you to pre-order Renegade Rule. So why haven't you done that yet? Go do it. Go pre-order Renegade Rule. It's good. Uh, and I am on Twitter and Instagram at jrome58. It's jeremywhitley.com. Uh, you can pre-order School for Extraterrestrial Girls Book 2, which is coming out this summer. Uh, Raven Pirate Princess book nine is out right now. And as Emily said, Princeless book 10 will be coming out dot, dot, dot soon. <laughs> soon. Um, soon. Um, probably right now you can uh, pick up or pre-order the uh, last of, or possibly the collection of uh, Marvel action chillers, which I've done for IDW, which includes lots of spooky stories about uh marvel characters it's a halloween story that's why we're finishing in february um <laughs> also uh check out uh for the podcast for progressively horrified on patreon we are patreon.com slash 
progressively horrified. We would adore it if you would go on there and give us money to keep doing what we do if you enjoy it, because it does actually cost money and time. Um, yes. We are on Twitter at Prague Horror Pod, and our website is progressivelyhorrified.transistor.fm. Please do subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever you're listening to it. We would love as many stars as you are capable of giving to us. Pull them down from the sky and give them to us. <laughs> it's incredibly uh, unlikely. We've been, we've been at this for a long time tonight. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much uh, to Ava for joining us tonight. Thanks for having me. And thank, thank you for you. being here. Yeah. <laughs> and thank you, Ben and Emily, for doing this again. I, I'm going to keep making you do it until you... Until <laughs> you run away screaming. Go fast. It's a deal. <laughs> all right. And thank you very much for all of you for listening. And uh, yeah, go check out Bit now. And we'll see you next week. Horrified is created and produced by Jeremy Whitley. This episode featured Jeremy Whitley, Ben Kahn, Emily Martin, and Ava Nichols. All opinions expressed by the commentators are solely their own and not intended to represent the intent or opinion of the filmmakers, nor do they represent any of the employers, institutions, or publishers of the commentators. Our theme music is Epic Darkness by Mario Cole 06 and is provided royalty-free from Pixabay. Contact us on Twitter at Prague Horror Pod or by email, progressivelyhorrified at gmail.com. <laughs>